You're listening to Hillary Simply, and I'm your host, Hillary. In the words of Albert Einstein, I have no special talents. I'm just passionately curious. So let's get curious, unpopular, and honest on endless topics together. Three, two, one. Hi, Danita. Hi, Hillary. How are you? I'm doing dandy. <laughs> Handy dandy. How are you today? Um, I'm doing good. I am really, really, really ready to have you on this podcast for a million and one reasons. I was thinking about this this morning. We have actually, I feel like you're one of my oldest friends. I Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about it too. I'm like, okay, our boys are 12 and um, we were friends like, I think we became friends right before you got married. Yes, which was like 2000. I think I started at that salon 2007. So backstory, uh, I started working at a salon that Danita worked at. And I'm pretty sure she taught me pretty much everything I know. Like, <laughs> and so if I've done your hair, you might want to give Danita a quick thank you. <laughs> um, only if you liked it, though. If you didn't like it, shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> I had nothing to do with nothing that. To do Only with the it. good stuff. Only the good. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a long ass time. It is. It is. Oh, I heard you. Don't worry. Don't worry. I heard you good. You I would think you. that putting a microphone in front of my face would make me feel good. <laughs> it is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Just because we like to talk doesn't necessarily mean we like to be on the spot. Right. Exactly. I told. I it. like to talk on my terms. I want the attention on me on my terms. Yeah. Only when it's in my chair and I have control over what's going on in your head. And if you don't, if I don't like what you say, I'm going to jack it up. No, I'm kidding. We've never done that. Okay. So one of the biggest reasons that I asked you here today was because of your son. Yeah. And I thinking about it makes me kind of want to cry, but uh -huh. um, can you tell my listeners like the journey you've been on over the last year and a year and a half, two years. Um, it'll be two years um, next month. Oh, hot yeah. Crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. I know. Well, one of those years really doesn't count. You yeah. know, everything is before. 2020 didn't really happen for most of us. And so, yeah, when I'm like counting back, I always kind of forget and not count that year for whatever reason. But yeah, because everything is pre or post COVID. I know. And I'm so tired of hearing that. Yep. This happened and then COVID or because of COVID. Yeah. Anyway, kind of over it. <laughs> Same. I think a lot of people can relate to that. But yeah. OK, so tell us what, okay, what happened so two years, less than two years. How? Ago. Do you want me to start from like when he started feeling sick? Yeah. Okay. Because you know, I can start anywhere in between it. Okay. So February of 2020, my son, my oldest son, who is now 16, um, started getting headaches and, you know, doing the mom thing. I was like, oh, suck it up. Take some Tylenol. Drink more water. You're just trying to get out of school. Mm -hmm. Now, was, sorry, I'm going to interrupt that's okay. you. Was he getting like, regular headaches or did all of a sudden he was getting like all of the sudden okay. like I feel like it was about like a week of me like trying to tell him to buck up and mm -hmm. quit trying to get out of school because school has always been like a struggle for him um so one day when he was called when he was texting me saying um I have a headache again so this was like the fourth day of having a headache and I'm like Hayden like seriously what 
like you can't make it through school. And he said, and this was like the turning point for me, something doesn't feel right. And it was the morning that like, we only had one car and Todd was taking me to school and I still had an hour to get ready. And I'm like, okay, just go to the nurse and lay down and we'll get there as soon as we can. So then we went to go pick him up. And um, from the point of picking him up at the school and getting to the salon, he started throwing up like all over the truck, like, and then we pulled over and he was throwing up on the side of the road. And Todd and I just looked at each other and we're like, what the heck is going on? So I went to work and Todd took him to urgent care. And um, at urgent care, like what, what, sorry, that's okay. What was your state of mind in this moment? Were you like, oh my gosh, maybe he has a migraine that's causing illness? I didn't think anything like that. I was just like, okay, this is, you know, something is going on. Like, I didn't really think much of it. And so at the urgent care, I can't remember if they did any scans or anything like that at that point. But that doctor was like, you need to go to the children's hospital, which is the one downtown and um, have him get tested or whatever. I can't remember if she said like a scan or whatever, but she was like, something's going on and I'm not sure what this is, but it's not right. And so we went to um, the children's hospital downtown And they basically chalked it up to dehydration, which makes sense because the boy does not drink Mm -hmm. enough water. And, you know, the doctors tell you that and you're like, okay. And he got, you know, IV of fluids and he was fine after that. And then he was fine for the next day. And then the day after that, again, like not feeling good, not feeling right. So then we took him to the pediatrician. Same thing. He's probably dehydrated, gave him some Zofran, like all of that. Um, And that was like on a Friday. Um, Saturday he slept like he was doing good if he was laying down, but just like tired or whatever. Um, Sunday morning, I'm like, let's take a bath. Like, you know, you've had some sleep, maybe a warm bath will feel good. Um, but he was really weak and he, anytime he was like upright. And so I asked him like, do you want me to stay in there while you take a bath? 14 years old, do you want your mom to be there in the bathroom with you? And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then he comes down the hall. So did he say yes to that? Sorry. He came down the hall in shorts. Oh. Like probably swim trunks. And I'm like, you want me to go with you, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And um, we were, okay, let me backtrack. On Friday, the pediatrician said, if he's not better by Monday, come back. And um, so I get him in the bath. Todd and Jackson went to church because we hadn't, like, he's like, I want, you know, you guys are good. Mom will stay here. Like Hayden asked me to stay. I'm like, okay. Like when your kid's like asking you, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff, you're like, all right, all right. Um, I, you know, he gets in the bath and I go to help him out of the bath, out of the bath <laughs> and he passed out. And so, um, and it was like one of those, like he didn't like fall over, but he kind of like went limp. And yeah. so I'm like, oh boy. So I text Todd and I said, he just passed out and he goes, okay. And he grabbed Jackson, ran home. And then we took him to the urgent care. And at that point, we're like, they hadn't at the point, at that point, taken any blood work, urine, no scans. Like they didn't really do anything because when they do like neurological testing, it's a lot of like, follow my finger, bend down, like, you know, and he was fine with all of those things. So that's why they chalked it up to dehydration so at this point are you like it's not fucking dehydration it was definitely like okay no something else is going on so we go in and Todd being a little more aggressive than I am because I'm like okay you know 
that's what the doctors say. We yeah. should listen to them. Todd goes in. He's like, I want all the tests. I want blood work. I want urine work. I want scans. Like, I want it all. Something's not right. <clears throat> good for him and good for you. Right? And so um, they did all of that. Blood work was good. Urine, no drugs. Yay. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> like, none of that. But then they did a scan. And when the um, ER doctor came back, he um, he was very somber. Um kind of had a hard time making eye contact, but it was kind of like that before. So I thought that maybe that was just like his personality. And he goes, okay, well, we did find something. And I was like, oh like what does gosh. that mean? Todd had like a hoodie on and I stuck my hands in the hoodie to just squeeze his hand. Cause the whole time I'm thinking you have to be strong for Hayden. Yeah. You have to like, okay, whatever's coming our way. Like we just got to be okay. So they tell us that he has a tumor in his brain. And um, the tumor was a germinoma tumor that was blocking fluid that was going through his brain. That's like a natural thing that we have fluid, like, you know, swimming around, around our head. Moving around. And it was, so that's what was causing the headache is that he wasn't getting what he needed. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, now what? Um, there's a neurosurgeon that works in Oakland, Oakland, San Francisco. Like there's several um, offices that he works in, but he also comes to Reno two times a month. He was coming to Reno the next day. Dang. And so now, at this point, you didn't actually know what the tumor was. Yeah. You just knew that there was something yes. in there. Yeah. We knew that it was a tumor, um, but didn't know what it was so we um he okay so that neurosurgeon booked us at the beginning of the day and so we go in there and he looks at Hayden and then he says okay why don't you guys come on out here and we'll talk about it and he told us what it was and that we needed to um, go to Oakland to do surgery and we're like okay so like when should we do this he's like you need to go right now and then it's oh. like, okay, all right. And Todd's like, okay, so should we drive? Should we fly? And he goes, you need to get in the car and drive now. And we're like, oh my gosh. And then basically explains to us that he needs brain surgery, that they need to do a biopsy and figure everything out. Even though the doctor did know what it was, but you know, they have to go through the protocol yeah. and make sure all their bases are covered legally. Mm -hmm. And um, so what was the pressure like? What was the need to go like now? Um, because that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, because it was pressure on his brain, like the fluid wasn't coming in. And then the tumor is like located right behind his eyes as well. So his eyesight was all wonky. Okay. And um, he literally could not sit up. Like the only time he felt good was when he was laying down. So it was at this point where they needed to basically make a... Um, hole in this area to have the fluid drain out. So um, we went to Oakland. Let me back up. This is a long story. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, that's, that's exactly why you're on here. So you and that it's going to take all day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, however long it takes is how long it takes. So um, this was like an 8 9 o'clock in the morning. And we asked Hayden, like, do you want Jackson, my younger son, to come with, or like, you know, we would somehow figure out a way to leave Jackson. And he goes, I want him to come oh. with. And so I got to um, Jackson's school 
And it was like right when the bell was ringing. So they were still like doing their, their first recess. And um, I went into the classroom and I saw this teacher and I just started bawling because that was the first time like I wasn't around anybody, like I could like mm -hmm. fall apart a little bit. And um, um, some, one of Jackson's friends saw me like beforehand was like, mm, something's going on. So we grabbed Jackson. We drove down the street to our house. We just grabbed some stuff from our house, got in the car and drove to Oakland. Hayden um, laid down the whole time. Like mm -hmm. he couldn't sit up. And then, you know, you think of like, please don't get an accident because he'll go flying through the window. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like so all we, the normal, normal mom fears. Right, right, totally. They gave us numbers like for people that we can contact if something went sour, you know, and we needed like emergency help or whatever. Like and, on the road? Yeah, on the way there. Like if something happened, like this is who you can call. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, are, are you in... No, I'm, I'm going to stop you. And like, are you in complete like inner panic? I know you're not showing it on the outside because your kid has like this brain tumor and you don't want to, I mean, he can't even sit up. And so you're like, I'm, I'm going to be strong for him on the right. outside, but on the inside, are you like in complete breakdown panic or are you like, let's get the job done? Um, let's get the job done. I was, I didn't feel panicky, but I felt urgency. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, even so this is funny. Um, when we were in Reno, the neurosurgeon was like, I'm calling them and they know you're coming. So in my mind, I'm thinking, open the doors, take us right in. And so um, we went to the emergency room and I'm like, we're supposed to be here. Like, I don't know why I have to go in this line and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, he's in a wheelchair because he can't, you know what I mean? So I'm like pushing him around all these people. And I'm like, we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be here. And they're like, yeah, you go. So I went into this room where you like check in for the ER. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Like I shouldn't be like five, 10 people deep. Like they yeah. should, oh, okay, come on. Waiting like an yeah. ER. And so I went out of that room and then I went back to the like front desk or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you were in the right spot. I'm like, okay. Um, so we get him checked in and then like he's, we get him checked in to the ER. And um, this part is kind of foggy. I don't know if foggy is the right word, but we, it's, it's, I mean, if anybody's ever been to the ER, like we know it's like a hurry up and wait type situation. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the doctors that works with the neurosurgeon, um, came and talked to us and had him hooked up to fluids and all that stuff. And, um, he finally got checked in and then it was a whole rundown on what was about to happen. And the next day, so Sunday, we found the tumor mm -hmm. Monday, we drove to Oakland. Tuesday, he had brain surgery. Dang. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. So you asked me like if I was like frantic or scared or any of those things. I was in definite mom mode where it was like, okay, this is what's happening. We just need to get through it. Like mm -hmm. there's no time to like it's fall apart or anything like that. And um, yeah, it just happened so fast. And then we had, there was, there's so many God things that happened during this time. Um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law live in Arizona and one of their kids has um, some issues with his eyes and they go to Stanford mm -hmm. to, for like checkups and all of that. They just happened to be going to Stanford that week. 
Like they literally like flew in on Tuesday morning and saw us Tuesday, like right before Hayden was being rolled in. So sweet. (laughs) We had them here. And then I have two best friends who I've had like since we were like 12. So that's like 30 years of friendship. And um, they called me asking me, what do I want? What do I need? Do you want us to come here? And the whole time I'm thinking like, if you come here, there's, I can't do anything with you. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking like, what an inconvenience for you to like, um, you know, up, up, what's the word? Uh, uproot, uproot yeah, your uproot life. your schedule, your kid, like all of this stuff. I'm like, it doesn't seem right. And so one friend told the other friend and that friend was like, screw it. I don't care what she says. We're going. So they Aww. got there. Like they seriously, one was in Portland, one was in Colorado and then they got there and it was so awesome. Cause I'm thinking in my mind, like Todd's family is going to even they're my family too, but Todd's family is going to be here. Like we don't really, like we don't really know a whole lot. Um, except for that he needed surgery. Um, so I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really good at being indecisive and asking for help. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want, I don't know. I don't know. And then I got off the phone with her and went back into the room and told Todd, like, how I felt. And I was like, I think I want him here. And he's all, then tell him you want him here. So yeah. then I called back like this all happened like five minutes after I hung up with her. And so I c- called her back. I'm like, yeah, I want you here. And she goes, yeah, that's what we were going to do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like so, they know you really well. Ra- oh gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so they showed up, which was, I mean, basically having them there, they were able to take Jackson to get out of the hospital room to go do, the thing, you know, to, I mean, he's okay. If Jack, if 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, he was like 10. Oh yeah. So, I mean, he was young, but like bored, like this yeah. is so like, oh my gosh. So he had surgery, surgery went well. They biopsied, um, the tumor, they poked a hole in his membrane. Um, and then that night we just had to watch the fluid making sure it was all coming out and everything, which, you know, we're looking at the numbers on the screen, watching him go up, watching him go down. So they biopsied the tumor and also created a path for the fluid around the tumor. Yes. Because the tumor was in such a spot that they could not safely remove it. Got it. Okay. So, and and for everybody listening, what is germinoma? Yeah. Yeah. It's a germinoma cell. Um, basically what it is, it's a sex cell that was misplaced in utero. So when you're in utero and everything is like developing or whatever, your hormones and your cells and all of that go to the places that they're supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And this particular cell, um, is something that goes in your, um, gonad area. Mm -hmm. And so it stayed in his brain and um, developed there. So this is typically something that happens in adolescence, like when they're getting ready to go through puberty and stuff. Just a fluke. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like totally rare, like not a genetic thing. Like I didn't do anything wrong when I was pregnant. Which, you know, you kind of think like, oh my gosh, I did this to him. I did this to him. You always think that. Right, right. Um, So yeah. I mean, do you want me to keep going? Because there's like so much that yeah, happened no, when we were in Oakland sure. and just like all of that. Take take some breather and just, we're just here talking. Um, I need some water. That's fine. Yeah. So 
what I'm hearing you say is you're kind of like in this, you're aware that you are stronger than shit on the outside. Yes. But that you need support and you, you have this like fear of asking for it, but also knowing like in your, you know, lizard brain, I'm going to call it like Mm -hmm. that rider, like that fight or flight that you need it. Yes. And, um, so you're asking your friends to like come and then your, your kid is going through this. Now, was there fear of uh, what might happen in surgery or was that, is that like minimal? And well, I think when you're talking about brain surgery, yeah, it is pretty intense, you know? Um, but the neurosurgeon extremely, um, um, knowledgeable, experienced, um, like knows what he does, was confident in um, the plan and the surgery. And of course they do have to tell you um, what could go wrong. But mm-hmm. he was always like, yeah, I've never seen that in the X amount of years I've done this, but I have to tell you. Um, we what, go- what was some of that? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember. I feel like I remember you telling me that maybe there was chance of like, hitting something around that was, you know, cognitive, like eyesight or right. Eyesight, like maybe even like some, I mean, you're in your brain. So, I mean, you can hit something in the wrong way and it be detrimental, but I wasn't really worried about that. One thing that I remember during this whole time is the word cancer never came up. They talked about radiation and chemo, but the word cancer never came out. And huh. so finally, when um, when we were about to leave, we talked to um, another neurosurgeon and she was just kind of repeating what we had already been told. And so I asked her to go out in the hallway so I can ask, like, um, I think I know the answer to this, but is it cancer? <laughs> so she said, yeah. And, you know, and we knew it. I mean, why else would you do chemo and radiation? Right. Yeah. And so we went inside and I told Hayden what, you know, that it was cancer and he just broke down and started crying. And then we're crying because he's crying because he's not a real emotional person. Um, Yeah. So. Well, and I think a lot of people add like death sentence to cancer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You hear that C word and you're like, oh, Mm. my gosh, in your brain. Yeah. Like it's not like, like yeah. the worst. Like right, if, totally. if you're talking about the worst cancer, we've got what pancreatic brain. Right. And well, I mean, there esophageal is or the one thing that was told to us multiple times that it was curable and that he was going to, I don't think they said that it's, he's going to be okay, but it's curable and the treatment plan is proven to work and all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. that was comforting. And I, you know, I always feel like they told us the worst case scenario. And so when they first talked about everything, it was like six to nine to maybe a year, six to nine months to maybe a year of recover of like going through treatment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it didn't end up being that long, um, but which was good. Um, but I feel like they prepare you for the worst. So then yeah. when it's not the worst, you feel okay about it. One thing that happened in um, the hospital after his brain surgery is they needed to, he has braces and braces can affect an MRI where it like reflects and makes dark areas and it just makes it harder 
to read. And the part of the braces that is makes the uh, uh, that makes, makes the reflection. it yeah makes the worst kind of reflection is the wire. And so they sent their um, on staff dentist um, to get his wires out and she did not know what she was doing. She was pulling and tugging and cutting, like trying to get these braces out when all she had to do was a, she could have like YouTubed it or I could, (laughs) I mean like, isn't that where we get all our answers or it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We could have called our orthodontist and they could have walked her through it because it's not like it was, did you have braces? I did. Okay. So it's not like, yeah, rubber bands bands and you were good to go. It's not like that anymore. So they have like little, um, doors, if you will. So they open it, put the stuff on and then close them. And it's kind of on top of the wires. So she was trying to pull these out and not opening these little gates. And I'm sitting there like, again, thinking, okay, this is the doctor, you know, Mm. we've got to like, but she was calling for help. She was calling for different tools. She was not being nice at all. And she was pulling and tugging and Hayden's like, I just had brain surgery. Like, and he's not like that. Like that is, and I, I feel like this is the one part where I messed up. I was not advocating for him because I'm thinking this has to be done. Like, and it's, you know, it's uncomfortable, but you got to, again, buck up and like do it. Um, She cut the wires out and Hayden swallowed a piece of the wire. And so the whole point of doing this was to not have the wires so we could get better MRI images. So, Oh my we were gosh. in the hospital probably four days longer than we needed to needed to be because we had to wait for him to pass the wire. So we did all the things imagine, imaginable that needed to be done to help things move along. And it never, he didn't pass it. So we were like, okay, can we, is this something that we could go back to Reno for? Because like, we're just sitting here waiting okay. for my son to poop. <laughs> weird, weird question, but I'm just going to ask. That's so fine. were you taking x-rays and watching it? And yes. Know, knew that it did? Okay. I was yeah. like, are you sifting through poo? Cause no, I got to know the answer no. to this. So, you know, he took stool softeners. He had an enema, um, like all of the things to like help him pass stools. Mm-hmm. And um, so then after then so they continuously to, took x-rays to see it like moving its way down and it wasn't moving and yeah so that actually delayed treatment as well because wow. we had to wait for it pass and it probably took a week to pass maybe even a little bit longer oh but yeah so that was that i mean we could have taken some legal action i mean but at that point you're just like whatever like just get it out yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I feel like they need, you said dentist. I'm like, they need an orthodontist, orthodontist. on and call. That, and Hayden kept saying, you're not an orthodontist. You need to, is there no orthodontist in Oakland? Like you was so, there's none in this whole city, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm sure there's one within five miles of here. Right? Can you just come for like 10 right. minutes? Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So that part kind of was a bummer, a big bummer. And I felt a little bit of guilt for that because, you know, Todd was like, if I was there, <laughs> uh, which again, like I said, he's the more aggressive one yeah. and I'm just kind of like 
well, this is what they said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was not fun. So I hear you say guilt. Um, I mean, I feel like most people would feel like you, like this is the doctor and they know what they're doing. Right. But also how beautiful that your son knows to stand up for himself. So as much as you might be like feeling guilt that you weren't the one to do it, he Mm -hmm. was doing it. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, that was, that, that was nice to see because he's very, he's not like me. He is not like Todd. He is introverted. (laughs) (laughs) But he's like, I'm going to stand up for myself when I need to. quiet. (laughs) So to see this in him was kind of nice for sure. Yeah. Well, you did that. You know that, right? You know, there's days where I feel good about who they're turning out to be. And then there's other days where I'm like, oh, where did I go wrong? <laughs> but I think that's like definitely a mother thing. Well, and normal. I yeah, think for 100% sure. normal. For sure. Okay. So then he passes this mm-hmm. stupid piece it of wire. It was so tiny that's too. That's crazy to so me. So tiny. Like smaller than your pinky nail. Like it, it was tiny, but that may, yeah. I mean, I understand the braces being like in your head right, where they, where they take, need to do it. But yeah. that something can be affected yeah. all the way down, like yeah. in your gut. That's nuts. It is crazy. How do they give an MRI to somebody that has like a steel plate in their leg or I don't weird. That's okay. a good question. I'm going to have to Google that when I'm right? not like <laughs> on this. But okay, so he passes it. Yeah. And then he started um, chemo March 3rd. I only remember that date because I recently looked it up. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> right? I don't really. I feel like most people might remember that. Well, the day my kids started chemo. Right. I, yeah. Well, I remembered the surgery, right? Those dates. And it was the ninth when this happened. It was 11th when this happened. Um, I should have looked at all my notes because I kept a journal and like Did all you? that. And I, I should have done that before. I'm so unprepared. <laughs> no, you don't need to be prepared. This is just life. Right. But. So March 3rd was his first round. And what they do is they actually admit you that night um, to make sure you're not having any like crazy like reactions that you're there in case something happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so his treatments were Every three weeks, three days long. Yes. Okay. Um, so that was March 3rd. And I believe COVID shutdown happened. The 15th. It was the 15th. Yes, huh? I remember that stupid fucking right. date. <laughs> so, so March 13th, um, we shut down. And in my mind... There was so many different thoughts, right? The thing that was unfortunate is that meant that Todd and I couldn't go to the treatments with him because together, like one of us could go, but together, but we did good. Like as far as like, okay, I'll do this day. I I mean, we did really good, like navigating that and picking who was going to go what day. Mm -hmm. The good thing was that, um, um, was that the shutdown happened. So nobody was going to school. No, you know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like he was falling super, super behind because everybody was in that boat. Um, the, the, I'm gonna, this is exactly why I think this sounds so crazy, but like these things either make you believe in God or make you think everything is up to chance because just how it plays out. There's like, so much, even before like this whole diagnosis, there was stuff that happened in our personal life too, that led us up to this, that prepared us for this. We have strong faith. And so we know it's God all the way. And, um, yeah, people, oh my gosh, that was, should that, 
that um, must have been so hard going through cancer with COVID. And I'm like, no, no. it was a blessing. I, we were able to be home. We were able to go to treatments. Um, and even though I wasn't working, I am a hairdresser. Um, the only way I make money is to go to going work. to work. It's, you know, an amazing job with a lot of um, flexibility, but there's a lot of stuff that we don't get as hairdressers. Like we don't have insurance. We don't have 401ks, like, you mm -hmm. know, any of that stuff. Um, so we shut down and we didn't work for three months in the salon. There is an amazing organization here in Reno. It's called Northern Nevada Children's Cancer Foundation. Mm -hmm. They, um, I'm not sure if they reached out to us or if we reached out to them, but we had so many people in our lives that were like, you need to call them. You need to call them. You need to call them. Mm -hmm. They took care of all of our bills during that time. So yeah, it was, you know, not fun going through cancer through COVID, but we were taken care of. And what a blessing. What an amazing, amazing organization here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've done stuff for them in the past, not ever thinking like, oh, I'm going to need this someday. But like, haven't you shaved he heads? Yeah, I, yeah, I've done. I did not shave my head, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I was one of the stylists on stage shaving other people's heads. And like years before this. Yeah, was even a thing. yeah. Years before. And Hayden got his head shaved and Todd shaved his head. And so, I mean, it's something that is near and dear, not so much as it is now, but, um, yeah, the resources that are available, family, community, like it blows my mind how many people like stepped up to the plate for us, like just amazing. Well, and Northern Nevada Cancer Foundation is essentially like there for the families. Mm -hmm. Like they yeah. are, they're the advocate for yep, you. Absolutely. They, they want you to be able to focus on your kids' recovery and treatment right. so they take care of the family. Right, and the things that you, like they don't want you to have to worry about things. So they didn't only like take care of like our bills and stuff. Um, they um, helped us with travel and expense, like all the things you don't think about. You don't think about, you just don't think about it. Like, um, he did radiation in, um, San Francisco. They helped so that they could live there for a month. Todd and Hayden lived in San Francisco for a month so he could go through radiation, which is not cheap. San Francisco. Mm -mm, not, and you know, in the middle of a pandemic as well, like, mm -hmm. are we finding a place that's clean enough? Are we fine? You know what I mean? And yeah. So again, another blessing. I know that you said that you look at COVID kind of like, this blessing because you were allowed to stay at home and, and be and, but did, was there this fear that he would get COVID? I mean, early on in the beginning. No yeah. yeah. In the beginning. Um, uh, yes, I was definitely, and I often wonder if he didn't have cancer, how I would have felt about it. You know what I mean? Oh. But in the very, very beginning, when we knew nothing, I was the glove wearer. I was the sanitizing everything, uh, you know, like, everything masks like the whole thing i was a i say now over the top but i mean i had to be careful yeah. you know we had to be careful and i didn't even care what like anybody thought but everybody was like well your circumstance is different you know what i mean yeah so yeah in the beginning um 
Yeah. And one thing that they tell you when you're done with radiation and chemo is not to get any kind of vaccines because your immune system is so slow. Like, so if he was due for like, you know, the regular vaccines that Mm -hmm. you get um, to go to school and all of that, he couldn't have done that. So. So you felt like um, unprotected in a lot of different ways. Well, I mean, yeah. Because you can't like you're kind of right. Yeah. Helpless to the treatment. Yeah, we definitely. um, And then as time went on, um, you know, any time that any time that um, something would come up where either he was around some like I don't even remember exactly, but we called our oncologist a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know. Yeah. And so, I mean, he eased us in, um, in a lot of things. Um, Sounds like a good guy. Yeah. Who's cool. He (laughs) shaves his head for um, St. Baldrick's too, but he's also bald, but (laughs) (laughs) But he does it. He's yeah. He's pretty cool. Okay. So if you like, what was your biggest takeaway from, the experience of your child having brain cancer, which I feel like every parent would just I like aside from maybe an instant death, like is our biggest fear. My biggest takeaway. I have an amazing son. He's amazing. He never had fear. He never was nervous. He was never scared. Um, He just went through. He, this is what he says. Why worry? There's nothing I can do about it. Wow. And I don't know if that is like us raising him with faith or if that's his personality or maybe a little bit of both. He's amazing. Yeah. I actually just had a, a doctor. Well, he's not a doctor. I'm sorry. I just had um, a founder of a cancer hospital in Tijuana that I interviewed he and told me about that. Yes. And he, I'm not sure what order these two will come out, right. but I know that they're going to come out right. alongside each other. Um, and he talked about that very thing, like the difference in people's eyes and their, where they are on their last days mm-hmm. and how, like how faith definitely changes Everything, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, you can, you can see the fear in the eyes of the people that don't I believe. I totally agree with that. That's and the- I, I mean, cause I have like what I think is a irregular, not common thought on fear. Like I don't fear it. Like I'm not afraid of it. It's going to happen. And I truly mm-hmm. believe that there's better things than what's going on right now that I'm going to be a part of after I pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel the same way. I guess the only thing that I would add to that though, is I feel, I fear leaving my kids. A lot of people say that and I don't. No, you Mm -mm. feel you're like, they got this. They got this. I I don't fear. I mean, because I just don't like, I, I mean, I lost my dad when I was really young and Uh. it just is kind of like, um, especially after seeing Hayden and the way he reacted, I think it, it, hmm. I don't know why I don't fear it because I feel like we um, have installed, um, instilled, instilled, installed. I'm I a very both. creative person when it comes to <laughs> words. <laughs> I make them up, but whatever. Um, I feel like they have a foundation 
where they don't fear it either, you know, as far as death goes. Um, And I think that they would be able to navigate it afterwards because it's just like, I make it a very like common thing. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. like, it's not like, I mean, you know, when your younger kids are like, Oh, I'm going to die. I'm like, yeah, we all are (laughs) someday. It's coming for you. I'm like, it's going to happen. Like, so I, you know, I just hope and pray that when the time comes, course I hope they're grown <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um that they'll have peace and understanding of it yeah I feel like oh hey what that's my that? doorbell that is an interesting doorbell wow it was Thanksgiving someone's at the front door was that okay. a chicken it or was a, a turkey, turkey? <laughs> I don't even wow. know if they'll be able to hear it on this but that was my doorbell going off I... and my Alexa telling me which she'll probably be like what do you need Nothing. Oh my Shut God. Up Alexa. Okay. Every time I'm coming here, I'm ringing the doorbell several times. Yeah. Well, at Christmas it changes, but apparently oh, we didn't change it from Thanksgiving. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, from, um, from what I'm hearing you say is like you, maybe because you lost your dad at such a young age and maybe because you've been through this with your son and then also faith, you have this and the fact that your kids aren't like tiny, right. they're a little older, that you feel like if something were to happen to you, they will carry on. Yeah. Like they have a voice, they have a strength, they have a personality. Right, like, totally. I don't want to say this unkindly, but they're getting to the point where they don't quote unquote need you right. anymore. No, it's okay. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm raising men. I'm raising husbands. Like they need to know what the heck to do when they leave my house. You know what I mean? Like that's my number one job as a parent is to teach my little people to be men, Mm -hmm. to be productive, to, you know, go (laughs) be free. (laughs) Yeah. I still got one. I'm working. I I think my oldest is getting to the point where he's like, okay, God forbid something happened to me. He's good. My next, my daughter, Mm -hmm. she has a little more work. She's just, um, Easy going. I'm going to write easy. Oh, going. easy. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. I, well, you might add flighty to that depending okay. on who you are, but, um, she does get like anxious, but yeah. she's just like still a little oblivious. Uh huh. And naive. I think that, yeah, naive probably. That's okay. Like, it's beautiful. Right. And I love that. But I also am like, okay, we got to, we got to instill some realisticness right. to this. Like, or how to cope with those feelings. Exactly. Jackson. He, my youngest, he's 12. Um, he worries about everything. Mm-hmm. So I do worry about him, but I, I, again, like as a mom, I need to teach him how to navigate through those. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that last windstorm that we had where trees were flying and missing windows by inches. Um, he was scared. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. are we going to die? Like he seriously stresses way too much. Do you feel like he had this before Hayden's yeah. cancer? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is like something he's had mm-hmm. for as long as you can. Yeah. Remember. And I don't even know, like, um, I don't even know if the cancer part scared him and we probably haven't had enough conversations with him to kind of dig deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is very fresh still too, even. Yeah. I mean, it's too, well, and other stuff has happened and all of that, but Yeah. He, I mean, he did a lot of like, okay, this is what we're doing. And he was younger too. So it was like, oh, 
oh, Aunt Debbie and, and Aunt Lori are here, so we can go play in the park, or yeah, you know what fun. I mean, right? Oh, Aunt Jennifer and Uncle Jeff are here. Let's do this. Um, yeah. So, but he is definitely, um, you know, I do have stuff that I work with him. I tell him to breathe in Jesus and blow out the devil. And so that's like him taking deep breaths. And and I think that kind of helps him and praying and like, let's not get too much in your head. And there's little things, but I think as he gets older that I'm going to have to um, teach him different skills because the stress level will go up. Of course. You know, the stress level, the judgment, the fear, the, yeah. all the stuff. He's really good about that though. Like he doesn't care what people think about him. Good for him. Right. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. But he has this fear of dying. I don't know if it's, maybe it's dying, but like like something big is going to happen. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Like um, anytime there's a fire, like regardless to how far away it is, he's like concerned about having to evacuate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't mm -hmm. know if maybe he is scared of death. I never even thought about that because it's not on my radar. You know what I mean? Well, that but that's a, I'm just trying to put, I mean, you know, they talk about the things that we've put ourselves through as a society during COVID and, um, you know, that kids have kind of stopped dreaming or believing or hoping because of the things that are supposed to be set in stone are no longer really there, like prom and all yeah. that stuff. But um, even just thinking about the psychological of telling them that COVID might kill them, mm. which I know for kids is more rare. Right. But the, like that fear is, it's gotta be, it's gotta be down there somewhere. Like, yeah, I think the biggest thing for Jackson and going through all of this is, um, he's lost his confidence in, um, school. He used to love school, love, love, love school. He would come home and tell us everything he learned about Martin Luther King Jr. Or everything he learned about, you know, oh, we read this book and, you know, and now he um, doesn't care. Which sucks. Well, why would he care? Which sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Well, <laughs> right. Well, I was, um, it just released today, actually, my podcast with a youth leadership coach mm -hmm. who said that at one point, 80% he just recently did a talk and 80% of the kids in the room didn't dream. And I'm like, why would they? Right. What that like, there's there. Sometimes it feels like there's no hope. Right. And then there's like this moving goalpost of life will be normal or life when. will be this when, yeah. mm -hmm. and then it just never comes. That just makes me think as a parent that I have to, um, okay, what are we dream? You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about goals. Like this is possible. You could do this. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That's like, what let's dig it out. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like we get to have some good conversations with our kids <laughs> because I don't want them to stop dreaming. Actually, you know what? My daughter the other day told me what she wanted to be for the first time when she got older. Uh -huh. Are you ready for this? Yeah. She wants to be a babysitter. Oh, that's, you know, there are, <laughs> they, there's definitely professional level babysitters. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I feel like another person was recently just telling me that this new profession of being like a night, night nanny uh -huh. is becoming really popular. Oh yeah. And I'm like, damn. I needed one of those. Right? Maybe not right away and maybe not all the time, but like twice a week, I could have used some lady An coming in and take care of my sleep. Let me sleep for 10 hours this time. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, girl. Jackson, ready? Okay. So, you know, the stress one, the one who's full of anxiety wants to be a counselor. <gasps> right? Oh, I think crazy? that's pretty common. I feel like really? I've heard that. Yeah. I feel like I've heard, I used to have a psychologist 
that whose hair I did. And she said that it was really common for people who deal with um, anxiety or mental health issues or not, maybe not themselves, but in their family often Mm -hmm. want to be. It makes sense. Psychologist. Yeah. It totally makes sense because you have experience in it. And I think that, um, I think that um, if you don't get it, you don't get it. No, I, I agree. And so they probably feel like they have some level of understanding of what it's like. The struggle. Yeah, the uh-huh. struggle. So I knew it. I looked I at you, you. Here we go. <laughs> we both, we both did it. No. The other large th- reason that I wanted to have you on was not only to hear about your journey with Hayden and, and that emotional side of it as a mom, but mm-hmm. also you deal with mental illness yourself. I do. Would you mind telling my listeners what that is? Yeah. Okay. So I am bipolar and, um, I have, I don't, I don't remember exactly when I was diagnosed with it, but I have been on medications probably since I was 17 or 18. Mm -hmm. Um, and during that time, my, um, the medicine that I took was something that was just kind of given to me like, okay, this is what will help you. And it's, what is that? Anti-anxiety? No, like, um, maybe anti-anxiety. Why can't I think of what it's called? Is it an anti-psychotic? No, like antidepressant. There we go. Antidepressant. And so my mom worked at a medical assistant, so it it was easy to get. I'd always get samples. Like, I don't even know if I had a doctor who said, this is what you should take, or if it was like, this is what you should take from a non-professional, but professional. Yeah. And so I was on that medication for a long time, probably 10 plus years. And then, um, I was starting to not feel like it was, um, working as well. And, um, that because of the way I was, um, getting it, it felt like, okay, I don't like it. I don't feel like I was benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. First of all, the way I was when I first started taking it, which is really common to like kind of build an immunity to meds and have to switch it up or whatever. But I wasn't seeing anybody. I wasn't being navigated by a professional. And so um, I decided that I needed to start seeing a psychiatrist so that we can get the meds right. And so before that, I was actually, um, no, it wasn't before that. So I started going to psychiatrists and it was like at the time I didn't. How old were you? Uh, it, it was when I lived here. So when I first moved here, mid 20, like 25, 26, like okay. somewhere around there. So you'd spent almost a decade taking maybe what wasn't right and right. maybe the wrong dose. Right. Or it okay. could have been right, but no longer right. Like for whatever reason, I just felt like I have to like go at this in a more proactive way. And um, so I started going to um, psychiatrists and I didn't have insurance or a lot of money at the time. So I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a Nevada mental health place off of mm-hmm. Galetti. <laughs> That's <laughs> like no, all those fun right? government I was run like, things. this is really cool, like feeling a little uncomfortable about where I was and the people I was around. But I felt like it was something that I needed to do. And I kind of like bounced around trying to find um trying to find the right doctor to do the right stuff. And, um, uh, it was, (laughs) I've got a visitor. Hi, Bennett. Hi buddy. What are you doing? Do you want to tell my listeners? Hello. Okay. You can tell them hello. And then you got to go find daddy. Okay. 
Hello. <laughs> Say hello, listeners. Hello. Listeners. Say, I'm Bennett. Indignant. <laughs> <laughs> That's you- not how you talk, you silly. <laughs> okay, go get daddy. I love you. Bye. We'll come hang out when we're done, okay? Daddy! And edit that spot. <laughs> I was like, she's writing down the time <laughs> on where to like make that go away. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it up to the I love you part. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not the part where I tattled on him. Daddy! <laughs> okay, so you felt like something wasn't right. I felt like, I don't even know if I necessarily felt like something wasn't right, but I felt like I wasn't doing it right. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, What was at that time? Like what was your state of mind? Were you, when I started seeking like out mm-hmm. psychiatrists and stuff, I felt like the medicine wasn't quite working and what is the that way mean? it was. Um, okay. So being bipolar, there's like different levels of it and uh, it, there's like bipolar one, two, three. I don't really know exactly. Um, but what are you? I don't know. (laughs) Because when I was diagnosed, all of that didn't exist. Like it was just like you're bipolar, but I wouldn't like, um, it is, I have really high highs and really low lows. And, um, I also can like snap. I don't know like exactly how to explain it, but like, um, are there other forms where it's more like I feel like you would sum up bipolar is exactly what you just said, but are there others where it's less of a high, high, less of a low, low, but that you're constantly kind of. Yeah. Because like, um, some, some things that, um, people do when they're in a manic stage. So like the low, Mm -hmm. um, where they become like, they do compulsive things like compulsive gambling or shopping, or like they just get themselves in this down world, down world spiral downward downward spiral oh my gosh i got you <laughs> spiral and like just kind of consume themselves in this negativity and um mine i never like experienced anything like that it was more like a short fuse type situation where I, you've experienced it like at mm-hmm. work where i'm like i'm freaking out i need you guys to just leave me alone yeah and um yeah. So it's kind of like that. It, it feels a lot like anxiety that like you can't breathe, like, um, like you just need to get a grip on whatever's happening in your head, which is really, really, really hard to do. Um, but mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I've definitely found better ways to navigate it. And I think being super honest about it is helpful, but there is guilt where I'm like, the people who love me, the people I'm around the most get it. Like they can, you know, they kind of see. And then there's times in the salon where people just kind of part the sea to let me go through. <laughs> and it's like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because it feels so weak sometimes. Like um, how, you know, like yesterday I had a thing and I was like, I hate that I feel this way. And everybody's like super supportive and like, you're fine. You're fine. But I also don't want it to be something that excuses my behavior. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, she's bipolar, so it's okay. You know what I mean? Or I don't need to feel bad about that because I'm bipolar. Right, yeah. For for them and for you, I'm hearing you Not for me so much. It's more just like I hate it. Not like I'm 
Um, not, not in the sense of like, oh, I'm bipolar. So that just is what it is. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't want to use it as an excuse. I don't want to use it for a crutch. I feel like sometimes other people do to make me feel better. Ah, does that make sense? Yes. Like, oh, don't worry about it, Danita. You're just bipolar. Like you're fine. Right. mm. Or, you know, and, uh, (laughs) I've gotten to a place where it's way better, but during the time that I was trying to find the right doctor and the right medicine, and I truly, truly believe that this is the, it, it's the hardest part of having some sort of chemical imbalance and why a lot of people do not actively try to seek it out and seek out help is because it's so hard. First of all, like um, medical stuff, like covering things and, you know, all of that um, like paperwork that needs to be done before you can get help. But mm-hmm. if you're on meds, what happens is it's a trial and error. Like you have to try this and if it doesn't work, we'll try this and so on and so forth. A lot of the medications you taper on and then you taper off and going on and off medications like that takes like four to six weeks. So, I mean, how many times you have to go through it to find out what works and then going up and down. So you're already chemically going up and down, but then you add the meds in it and like, which affect you sometimes in a bad way, sometimes in a good way. But it, I literally lived in my closet behind dresses for over a year because I could not, I mean, not completely. I still like, you know what I mean? I raised an eyebrow at you, but yeah. (laughs) Not completely. Like I still had, I'm a functioning bipolar person, I guess. Um, but it was so scary. There was one time I was seeing a counselor, which is different than a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is someone who will manage your meds. They, it's a very quick appointment. Like, how are you feeling? Do you have any side effects? Is there any, you know, thoughts of suicide? And a psychologist is someone or a counselor is someone who helped who talks to you, like you're able to vocalize what's going on with you mentally. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't think they do either. Because I, think I think I met you that I really, yeah, I think a lot of people go to a psychiatrist thinking it's going to be not a cure all, but like, okay, I can get this handled. It's not, they don't, it, there's no fluff. It's yeah. just, you, you kind of need both. It sounds oh, like. Oh, absolutely. You need both. Yeah. Absolutely. You need both. Um, but during this year, I mean, imagine, you know what I mean? Like you, and then the side effects, like when you with, like you have to taper off and there's withdrawals and they're not comfortable. And so I think that's a big reason why people don't do that. Cause that is hard and expensive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. a hard thing during this time. At one point in time, I was seeing a counselor and she looks at me and she's like, do you need to go somewhere? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, like part of me feels like, no, I'm not that bad. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't. You're like, you tell me you're the professional. I wasn't sure. Does it sound like it? I wasn't sure. And so um, I, um, it was somebody that my husband worked with at the time. So she's like, do I have your, um, do I have your permission to call Todd in here? I'm like, yes. And so Todd comes in and I'm like feeling scared and vulnerable because it wasn't something that, um, I really voiced with Todd on how I felt. Um, but with her and like, basically they were both like, okay, like how far do we need to take this? Like, are you, you know, cause yeah. there are times where I don't feel suicidal, but I just want to go to sleep and not wake back up, which oh. 
Yeah. You're like, and then I and go I to sleep and I wake back up and I'm good. And yeah. yeah. And so, um, I would, I, I would think some people would say that is suicidal. Like I never want to hurt myself or any, that's when I think about my kids. Uh, like I can't do that to them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I can't force the forcefully leave them. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people would find that see that differently than I, you know, if I passed in a car accident or a heart attack versus right. I did it to myself, to myself. Yeah. So, um, that year was really hard and Todd was so amazing and still so amazing. There are definitely times where I have the biggest thing for me is my outburst, like my quick to get anger. And, um, and it happens a lot right before my period. So there might be that, <laughs> what is it? PMMD or PD or PPMD or whatever that is. Like, let's just throw another diagnosis on there. But, um, like I can't, it's almost like I can't help it. Like it happens. Like my mouth does what my mouth does mm -hmm. and I can't like take it back. And that is not fair for the people around me. And, mm -hmm. um, it's not. And, um, one conversation that I have with Todd or one like thing that I do say to Todd is like, I, do you think I want to do this? Do you think I want to feel this way? So I, and yeah, that's the struggle. And then I worry too about um, what kind of imbalance am I passing on to my kids? Is it hereditary? I um, I would say so because I do come from, like there are other mental illnesses um, in my family. So I would say so. I And it might be, I'm no doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Let's a hair doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a chair therapist. It's fine. And um, I feel like it's chemical. I mean, it's definitely chemical, but I think learned behavior has a lot to do with it too. Ah. Like if you're around people who um, don't know how to cope or know how to navigate those type of things, it's like, okay, so it's normal to yell and scream. Like it's normal to throw things. It's normal ah. to, you know what I mean? Because that's what you know. Yeah. So I think what I'm, I'm hearing you say is like bipolar is, you know, maybe something that's hereditary, but also what you see growing up is kind of how it manifests for yeah. you. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think one thing that I say um, a lot is it's so important to be proactive in your mental health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I, that's true, whether you are di diagnosed with anything or not. I yeah. feel like so many people could use a therapist at least some point in their life. Right. Totally. Because um, one thing that I've been told, um, with some of the counselors I have um, seen and talked to is we all have a toolbox. Mm -hmm. We might not have the right tools for the right thing. And so we need to find out what that tool is. <sighs> brilliant. Right? It is good. Fucking brilliant. Right. Okay. So what tool have you dug out recently? Wow. Um, I think that communicating is really huge and it's not e easy in the beginning. And I think that, um, apologizing, which is really hard because there are times where I feel like I'm apologizing a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that apologizing comes with explaining too. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, so the communication piece. Yeah, totally. Like, okay. 
for example. Mommy thinks a little bit differently. Mommy reacts in a way that's not okay. And I'm trying to figure out a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. I think that when our kids see, um, not failure, but like, um, we're not perfect. And when we admit that we're not perfect, I think that I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. No, but like, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on yeah, this one. I so agree I feel you. like when you're saying, you know, like I'm trying to figure out how this goes. I know it's not right. And I'm trying to figure out a different way to do it. I think transparency and honesty with our kids um, is super important. I agree. With I you. don't think a lot of people do that because and because, you know, they're kids and we're adults and, you know, because I said so or whatever, like, it's okay that I did this because I'm the adult, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I feel like, um, I just think honesty and transparency is a good thing to have with your kids. Of course, you know, there's age appropriate and like all of that stuff, but yeah. Well, it's funny because, um, I think I always like my parents didn't fight in front of me. I remember one time being mm-hmm. like six years old and hearing them argue and coming out crying. And I'm sure that's probably why they never argued in front of me again. But I feel like it was almost a disservice mm. because then you create this idea in your head that a marriage looks like X, Y, Z and you don't fight or you don't fight in front of others. Right. So when you do fight, you feel like wrong mm-hmm. or that you did it wrong or that you shouldn't have said or, you know, whatever, right. instead of just being, vulnerable and authentic right. in that moment you're telling you're judging yourself about what this is supposed to look like because mm-hmm. either a you have no idea right or b you have a very unhealthy idea right i was gonna say and it goes the same same way on the opposite side exactly. like my parents fought in front of us like we always knew like it was very toxic and um and that's where i like learned that Mm -hmm. yelling and screaming and throwing things is okay. Like that's the way. And then in, uh, in relationships growing up, like I thought like the kind of relationship I need to have should have is yelling and screaming. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah, it definitely goes both ways. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I think I definitely learned that fighting was not part of a good marriage. Right. I mean, and, but at the same time, like not agreeing is normal. Yeah. Not seeing eye to eye is normal. You yeah. know what I mean? And but if you don't see any of that. Right. Well, and there's times you know. too with um, Todd and I, where I will tell him probably more than he tells me. Cause I am <laughs> a little bit of a control freak and everything needs to be quote unquote, right. <laughs> um, where I'm like, you need to apologize to the boys for what just happened. Mm. And then he'll say to me too, like the way that you spoke to me in front of the kids is not okay. And so they see the unhealthy behavior, but they also see like, the ownership of it. Yes. And I think a lot of that is missed. Yeah. Um, one way or the other, I think, uh, I think there are a lot of people who will fight in front of their kids and they might feel bad and they might have a discussion about it, but then they don't, they don't end up going to their kids and having that discussion right, about right. it. Well, and that, yeah. So I don't know why that's a, I, it's important to me cause I'm raising men, I'm raising husbands and I think that they need to be a certain way with their future significant others. And I also like try to explain to them, what it means to be a crazy woman. (laughs) You're like, just so you know, I'm like, women are so, or females are so different from men. And, um, I think it's, um, 
I mean, it's a parent, it's important to have two parents Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they need that. They need like, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, they're boys. So dad needs to talk to them about, you know, like sex and, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But they also need to hear it from women too. They need to hear it from their moms. And like, this is what it is for me. This is what it's like for females because we both know it's not the same for both sexes. Uh, We don't think the same. Our brains don't process the same. Like, all of that. So they need to see both aspects. I agree with you. Although it's fucking terrifying. I'm like, I don't want to talk to them about that stuff, but I will. It's scary. It is. And then like, but you just start doing it. And then, and then also like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. (laughs) Like this, I'm like, (laughs) I I just, I don't know. And for us, like, um, before they went into share, the biggest thing I wanted to like, let them know is that God has a lot to do with this because how it's taught in schools, it's very like mother nature. It's very um, scientific. It's very, which is all important stuff, but that's not how we are. That's not how we view it. You know what I mean? Like the way that we grow and our bodies change, it's something that God created. And so I just wanted to put the God aspect in it. Yeah, no, I can, I can relate to that. Um. Well, and that's where the whole like before marriage and Mm -hmm. all that stuff would come in. Right. And one thing that I like, one of my, um, one thing that I like to say is I I don't, I I don't want to think that I have an unrealistic, I don't want to have an unrealistic um, point of view as far as like sex before marriage goes, because I don't want to be the parent who do as I say, not do as I do type situation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I feel like it's super important to do that. And the reason I feel like it's super important to do that is because whatever you do before you get married is taken into your marriage. I agree with that. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so, um, whether you want it to or not, right? it does. I mean, and it could be anything, right? It could be pregnancy. It could be STDs. It could be, you know what I mean? Like emotional baggage, emotional baggage, like, you know, or like sexual trauma, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All of those things are going to go into your marriage. And even though like, right, you know, especially for my older one, it's very like, it's everything's hormonal and everything, you know, this is going to feel good or whatever. Yeah. When you're, you know, 16, 17 years old, but eventually you're Mm -hmm. going to have someone that you love and care about in a way that you have never loved and cared about before. And if you're going to sit down and say, okay, because of this, this, and this, this might not be good for us now, you know, does that make sense? Yes. Well, and I would, I would add in there, I think you take a lot of good things too, that might be, might end up doing you a disservice. Yeah. Like, like, let's say you're very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Seasoned, <laughs> very seasoned before you go into marriage, and then experienced. you get experienced. Thank you, and then you get married, and your partner is not, and uh-huh. you somehow feel like it's lacking. Uh huh. Yeah. Or, so you set yourself they, up for disappointment. Yeah. Right. Or they feel like they're lacking because they right. don't. You know, it's not always you know trauma. Sometimes right. it's that's true. Yeah. That's very true. Sometimes it's things that fe- like seem really wa- wanted or desired and, but then can also backfire. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know what you mean by that. 
backfire or things that you're wanted? Well, like if you, if you go in thinking, oh, I have all this experience, mm-hmm. my, my spouse is going to be overly loved because I am really, Learned it. yeah, cause uh-huh. I got this figured out. I got all this schooling, I got you. I got but you then they end up feeling like they don't do as well or right. whatever. See, yeah. You set yourself up for disappointment. Yes. That's, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's and not to say that you can't learn something that you take in that is a benefit to both of you. Well, I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm going to play that devil's advocate card because that's certainly something that can happen. Right. But I would wonder if it was the same, like the same, like even. How do I say this? Are you taking, you know, seventy percent baggage and thirty percent oh, positivity into the relationship? I see what you're yeah. saying. Is I don't it know. 50 50. Is it? I mean, is anything 50 50? Uh, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It no, is not. There is no such thing as fair. <laughs> well, even you know how a lot of people say a marriage needs to be 50 50. Okay. People say that, right? Yeah. They do say that. I had um, an, a, a friend of mine who is a pastor's wife who has said it can't be 50 50. It, I mean, like, honestly, it needs to be 49-50 because if it's 50-50, you're stalemate, right? Like, you you can't yeah. move forward, I guess, yeah. or a decision can't be made if you're both, like, saying, I don't know. You know, I, I as soon as you said that, my mind went to analyze, and I'm thinking, like, it's 50-50 in the sense of when you need me to be more, I'll be more. And when I need you to be more, you'll be more. So mm-hmm. maybe sometimes we're 70, 30, maybe sometimes we're 40, 60. But at the end of the day, we're like, we're this team of right. 50, 50. Right. And I'm willing to pick right. up where it's not. And I I don't know that I've ever experienced a time where it was 50, 50, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Marriage is work. I love so my husband. Work. I love being married, but it's not. I feel like people like in the movies, they make it all gushy and yeah. lovely. And here's like, the thing though. Bullshit. Here's the thing though. Anything that's worth anything is hard work. <sighs> Damn you pulling out those good quotes. Right. It yeah. is though. I it mean, is. think about, okay. So, um, I, when I moved, I grew up in Colorado. When I moved to Arizona, it was a total whim, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did it. I was so depressed for six months. I literally cried myself to sleep for six months. Once you had moved there? Yeah, because like I base, I mean, my best friend was there, but she was pre-med with like three jobs and like, I, it was really, really hard. And, um, but I met Todd. Damn. And then we moved here. I don't know if it was so it made it easier to move here with Todd because I had already done it on myself or with myself. Um, but yeah, like there's just everything that's worth anything. It's hard work. I agree with that. I don't think, I think if everything is really easy, you don't find value in it. Mm Yeah. Well, and I'm taking this class as that's like you, like the good and with the bad, like you, you wouldn't know what good was if you didn't know Know what what bad bad was. was. Yep. I agree. And so I think you, when you have this, when you live very safely and you have this, um, you need to run away when things get hard or, or whatever, I feel like you become very numb to life. And naive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, and in a box. Yeah. And for some people, maybe that's great, but I think you miss out 
you miss out on the bad for sure, mm-hmm. but I feel like you also miss out on the good. Yeah. Because there's no... Yeah, there's no balance. No yin and yang. It's just right. flatline. Flat Aha, jinx. You owe me coffee. But yeah, so... Don't you have some down... There you go. There's I, your coffee. Yeah, I got it. It's empty. Oh. Oh, and there's... Oh, look. You got uh, some. Grounds at the bottom of it. You got some action over there. <laughs> it, over, it overflowed. Um, so if you had to... You said that you didn't feel like you knew when you were diagnosed with it, but do you remember, like, is this something that you were born with or is this something that you feel like kind of came on around a certain time? It's really crazy that you asked this because I was thinking about this. Okay. Like thinking about like, at what point in time did I feel like it was a chemical thing? You know what I mean? Like something's off. So, I mean... I have a really bad memory and I don't know if it's like selective memory or like, I just don't remember things or whatever, but I remember being a teenager and going through the teenager stuff where, um, it was hormonal, like all of that stuff. And there were things that I did when I was a teenager that I look back and I'm like, holy cow, you are crazy. And, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that was like, like a typical teenage thing or if that was my chemical imbalance. What did you do? I don't know if that answered your question. Okay. Here's the one that like sticks out the most. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, go ahead. It's kind of embarrassing. So um, I would be like getting ready for school or whatever and doing my hair and it wouldn't actually kind of still do this, but not to this extent. Um, It wouldn't go right. Like I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, this isn't working. This messy bun does not look cute enough (laughs) or whatever. I mean, I do that. (laughs) That's not what I not way back then, but, um, I would get so frustrated that I would hit the side of my head with my paddle brush. Like, like very hard. Yeah. Are you talking like, yeah. Cause I've done, I've done one of those bits where I'm like, damn it, Hillary. And you kind of do, 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 but no, it was pretty like- aggressive. And, um, I've kind of, yeah. So I, that's something that sticks out in my mind as a teenager. Um, are, yeah. mo- are most people is does does their I'm gonna call it illness present at um at puberty or adolescence? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I have no idea. I'm just curious. Like, no, I, just I don't. Very... I don't know. I mean, that's definitely a changing time in your life. Surprise me. You know what it I mean? But and there's still like. I'm definitely a lot better than I was, but there's definitely been times. I think my ammo was always breaking things. Uh, like I would get so frustrated that I would just break things. There was one time I broke the remote in our room and I hid it in my sock drawer. So I didn't have to tell Todd about it. Did for you? For years. I did eventually. For years. You're yeah. like, I don't know I what happened eventually. to that damn remote. It's right? gone. Yeah. I did that. I told him eventually, but like, I was like, oh, do you remember this? Yeah. You're like, I actually broke it and then hit it. Right. I was like, oh, he can't see this. (laughs) I feel like I hear what you're saying is um, like shame. I Uh, Yeah, I guess that's a good, you know, that is pretty accurate because it's like, like seriously sitting here now being in a good place, like being happy, like all of that stuff, like thinking about that. It's like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe I did that. Have Have you heard? how Brene Brown describes the difference between guilt and shame. Mm-mm. Oh, it's good. I'm about to tell it to you, right? Ready? Yeah. Okay. The power of vulnerability by Brene Brown. It's, 
a um, series on Audible. So they've made okay. it into an audio book. Okay. But it's like her speaking to a class. Gotcha. So she says, guilt is I did something bad. Oh, maybe we did talk about it. Shame is I am bad. Oh. Guilt. Yeah. Are you asking me about? I don't yeah, know. No, I don't know. I don't think I'm bad. Good. I'm not amazing. <laughs> and I'm not perfect. Well, I, but I don't think I'm bad. It's definitely guilt. Well, I think I think that's what gets skewed for a lot of people is mm-hmm. there's this um like I think we it's quick to label it as guilt, but I think a lot of times if you really start and get down to the bottom of it, there's like there's shame. Yeah, under maybe it. there is like shame to it. I, I think what sh- I would say is it's not shame. Guilt, yeah. But I think we confuse those two things. I think, yeah, that's a very easy thing to um, confuse, especially like when you're just saying, "What's the di-? like?" You know, in a general, like easy conversation, what's the difference between guilt and shame? Like, we don't really know. We don't really think about it. But like after you saying that, and I like so quickly said, "Oh, guilt, guilt." I think if I thought about it more, that maybe there were parts that were shame. I think the biggest thing I'm shameful of is my kid seeing me that way. Mm. I hate that. I And that feels like shame. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like I was saying, like there's behaviors that I grew up with that I feel have been learned. And so I see, actually see my youngest doing some of those things. And, it, you know, um, it hurts. It sucks because I'm like, I taught him that. Mm-hmm. I taught him that it was okay to act like this. So you feel shame about it? Mm-hmm. Maybe guilt too. Yeah, but like both. I feel We're both. Like, I'm both I feel three. like the the way that I feel is stronger than guilt. Does that make sense? The like the what comes up for you when you've done that right. is stronger than guilt. I mean You know what I mean? I feel like I'm hearing you say shame. Yeah. And I feel like half the battle with identifying that you're I'm going to call it suppressing something is identifying that like, okay, this goes beyond guilt. This is what I feel about it. Yeah. And I don't think anybody should feel shame. Right. I feel like it's so destructive. It is. I mean, that's definitely what I like to call a mind. Yes. A mind F. (laughs) Yeah. Cause when you're getting too much, when you're getting too much into your own head, Mm -hmm. like we could just sit there and, um, dig ourselves into this. Yeah. Our, our minds, our brains are pretty powerful. They're so fucking powerful. Yeah. It's crazy what they can do. But I just picked that up because I remember thinking over the last year or two, like how many times have I mistaken guilt for shame mm-hmm. and why am I doing that? Right. Why am I, why do I feel shameful about a choice I made? Like some, I feel like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like it leaks into other areas. So it might start out as I feel shameful that I threw this thing, but now I've just told myself that I'm a bad person. Not, mm. I did not, I did something bad, but I'm a bad person. Yeah, thus, I can see that for sure. Thus it continues on into yeah. everything else. And I think that's a total mind. Yep. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yes. It's a mind. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> because yes. that's, you know what I mean? You said something that totally made me think of something and now I don't remember, but like how it leaks into other things. Like it creates yeah. more like, um, well, shame, guilt, uh, feeling unworthy. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. 
Mm, we're mm. going deep. Oh gosh. Going deep. No. So I, I guess mostly I just wanted to hear like what it was like emotionally to be someone who's bipolar and to struggle with it and to, you know, sounds like you identified it at a decently young age. Yeah. And but what- not know, not know exactly how to navigate it until I was older. And I really think that, um, being bipolar is hard being you know, having a chemical imbalance is hard, which I've said. I also think that being, um, the spouse or the partner of somebody with a chemical imbalance might be harder. And the reason I say that is because um, of the constant roller coaster going up and down um, and for them to see behavior that they don't understand mm-hmm. um, or that like um, just calm down. You know what I mean? And, and I know it's not said or done in a hurtful way, but it's so easy for somebody who doesn't have a chemical imbalance. So to see somebody who does and not understand that it is a huge struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally commend Todd. Like, well, if you could say something to him, what would it be? <laughs> Can you please do the dishes? <laughs> Don't forget about the animals. They're hungry. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. If I could say anything to Todd, I would say that I absolutely admire you and I am so blessed to have you love me the way that you love me in spite of all of this. <laughs> Are you getting teary? I might be a little bit. I'm sorry. I kind of thought I was going to do it too, but um, I think I really think that Todd is a saint. And I think he would say that about me too. I was, I literally was going to say the same thing. I mean, it only took 22 years to get here. <laughs> hey, what was the saying you said? Nothing worth having isn't, is, e- doesn't come easy. Anything that's worth anything. Thank you. It's not easy. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Let me think. Anything worth. Absolutely. I feel like I've heard it in a different way. Too. Anything worth having is hard work. I, no, my way is better. I'm, that's fine with me. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it's hot. Like, I mean, our relationship, it's never been as awesome as it is now. Like in the beginning, but we were in our 20s and we were so dumb and so like naive and so self-centered and, you know, had these unreasonable expectations of each Mm -hmm. other. And, you know, it, it, it was so hard in the beginning. I totally understand why people have like talk about the seven year itch or if they, you know, really don't make it that far because it's hard then. But it now, oh my gosh, he's like a, like a love seat in the living room. That's your favorite. It's your favorite spot to sit in the living room. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's this is my chair. It's amazing. I love that man so much. What, um, what do you think is different? between like in your twenties and now, like what, what kind of communication, like, is it your meds? Is it communication? Um, Is it in all honesty? It was Todd finding Jesus. Oh, it changed everything because it, okay. Because, um, especially when you're younger, like you're telling your significant other for lack of better words, what to do how to act, what to be, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, um, all of the things that I. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) You're like, what are you doing? What's going on? It's probably a little hot. So I'll, (laughs) I'll wait a minute. Um, 
And then there were things that like, I, I mean, I grew up in the church. And so um, there's just something that comes with having faith. And it is um, being humble and being less selfish and um, just a lot, a lot that comes along with um, having faith. And um, he just completely changed it. Uh, it. There were so many things. Like I kept saying things like, I wanted him to put me first, which in your 20s sounds like super selfish. Mm-hmm. But like once you get into the world, into the word and you see like the, um, what it says about, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally how you leave your family to create your own. And Uh, so like, and that's, you know, the, where the unity is built. And so, I mean, his heart just changed. He became less selfish. He, um, um, it, it just, it changed him. Like, I don't know how to explain it unless you've had that change. Yeah. And a lot of times when people don't um, necessarily have um, faith or understand a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, it's hard to explain it because it sounds so foreign. But mm-hmm. then when you go through it and you do have a change of heart, a change of spirit, like it's like the biggest aha moment ever. Yeah, I feel like you're kind of saying that he became more Christ-like. Yes, absolutely. Like, which, you know, for maybe people that aren't religious or oh, I believe hate that in word. God. Yeah, or believe in God. Have faith. I'm yes. going to have faith. Yep. <laughs> um, being Christ-like isn't necessarily being perfect because I think a lot of no. people think that's yes. what it is. Oh my gosh, yes. I actually have had this epiphany lately that I think it's just being vulnerable. Um, being being authentically you. Mm-hmm. Not being apologetic for it. There's something that sets your spirit free to be more available for other people. Mm-hmm. Like when you just come to terms that like, okay, this is me. And this is my vulnerability and this is my authenticity and it it will come as may. Then there's this like freedom that releases you to care for love and do things for other that's, that becomes non-self-serving. Yeah. I can see, I see that. I don't know. Um, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Um, I think you need it edit out all my blah, 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 and um, uh, what <laughs> no, am I trying I'm, to say? I'm leaving them in there. That's the best part. <laughs> the, uh, but, uh, um, I see what you're saying. And I think that's something that comes with age. Oh, for like, sure. The older that we get, the more comfortable we, we become with ourselves. And so um, I don't know if it necessarily means being non-apologetic, but more like, well, I guess that works, um, but just comfortable and that it doesn't like you're not constantly mm-hmm. thinking basically what other people think and all of that stuff. As far as I, as far as like, um, as far as that being something on a faith based thing, perhaps it goes together. Um, or you know it could be like cart before the horse thing like that's what that's how i've experienced it i feel like i'm more christ-like when i accept the imperfection that i am right right um because i'm not trying to live up to a a a worldly standard yeah like yeah if that makes sense but maybe for somebody it happens the other way around maybe they find god and then find themselves in in being humble and Right. Serving others. Right. And, yeah. 
and all that jazz. All that jazz. A movie. <laughs> she Chicago. just gave me the jazz hands. Chicago. We're going to paint it down. Okay, can we take a potty break? For sure. And we have to get our... Oh, yeah. Our dry secco. Woohoo! Dry secco, is that what it's called? It's called yeah. That sounds dirty. Dry secco. Well, okay. I don't think they can say prose- prosecco because it's not alcoholic. Mm, and or somebody else's name because it's a trade name, isn't it? I have no idea. Huh. Which is what they call it. And so dry secco is? Non-alcoholic champagne. champagne. Damn, I should have bought orange juice. Oh, you don't like it by itself. It's kind of sweet. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll like it by itself. I just right. like, well, I don't drink very well, much see, orange juice. It makes um, me feel yucky. But That's so funny that you said that then, because like for me, when I drank mimosas, it would be like a bloop of orange juice. Yeah, just but, a, just a, you know, bloop. that's because I'm an alcoholic. And so <laughs> that's how we I, can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> up next, <laughs> Tanita's alcoholism. Okay, it so, only has 50 calories. That's pretty good. That's what's really crazy about non-alcoholic beer is that. Um, I was just making it so you're more comfortable. Well, I know because I was like, I want to be in the pillows. Oh, see, uh, she doesn't good. want me to do this because it makes a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't help it. Hold on. Get, get comfy. Get okay. comfy. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so Denise- you have to. You did this with McKinsey. You have I'm to sorry. drink okay. after you cheers. Okay, I'm here. I go. Oh, that's so it's a little bit sweeter than like regular like Prosecco or champagne. Yeah, that's nice. But I like it. It's very refreshing. It is kind of Mm refreshing. Yeah. That would drive my husband's nuts. I think he has that um, disorder where like that is like nails on a chalkboard. Just that. Mine is clicking pins. Chewing. It's chewing. Chewing or like spit noises in your mouth, oh. drive them nuts. I'm all, hi, babe. <laughs> I love you. That's um, funny. So, Janita brought us dry secco today because um, because I don't drink. Woohoo! I um, didn't drink at all for probably like a year and a half. And then um, I now I do have a beer or two every now and again, like a special event, like a Christmas party or a right. Yes. Bar mitzvah. I'm kidding. Yes. I go to those a lot. Bar mitzvah. Okay. And what, what drove you to get sober? Well, um, I was using alcohol as a coping mechanism. Um, I do not so much anymore, but, um, I do have, um, insecurities and when I would drink, uh, those insecurities would go away. I would be more relaxed it would be easier for me to go into like social situations, which is weird because I am social, but when I'm going somewhere where I don't really know people, that gives me anxiety. Okay. Um, and then, um, I'm assuming all this came out once you decided to be sober, not necessarily something you knew before or no, I think I knew before. Okay. Um, I, and then, so, um, progressively I was drinking more and more and more and, um, there were a couple of situations. Well, throughout time, there were situations where it was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or I can't mm-hmm. believe I did that. Um, but then there was like big physical things that happened. 
in October of 2019, um, my husband and I went on, basically, it was a pub crawl on a bicycle that you decorate with lights. And oh my gosh, fun. it was, <laughs> it was fun. And I was like, oh my gosh, texting friends, we need to do this. This is so much fun, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm a very uh, non-coordinated person. I um, am clumsy. <laughs> I Yeah. So during this um, nighttime bike ride, I fell off a... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say for painting pictures for people who don't live in a 24-hour town, which I feel like this is more a 24-hour town thing. Yeah. It's essentially you have the driver who was on what looks like a normal bike half of it and then the other half is like a giant table of like eight to ten chairs that have no it wasn't even that wasn't that no it wasn't that like what is it called the bike whatever no it wasn't that it was literally we took our own bikes and decked them out and as a huge group of people went from bar to bar to bar oh okay it's called okay i don't know if i should say what it's called anyway yeah i know what it's called but i'm not sure if i should Whatever. It's called Blinky Man, which is done in Carson City like the weekend of uh, Nevada Day. So it's like usually the night before the Halloween and all that. stuff. Yeah. The night before the parade. Okay, It kind of has a Burning Man vibe to it. Okay, Why did you feel the need not to say the name? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like it's a secret. Like only, no, not only a secret, but like, no, 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 not a secret per se, but like, um, Ammon, what's that word? Ammoninity. Am, I know what you're trying to say. Right. The thing that they Anonymity. say. Anonymity. Yes. Anonymity. Um, all the thing they say before um, podcasts when they're like, to save yeah. <laughs> the anonymity of the yeah. characters we've changed. Anonymity. Yeah. So I didn't, like, I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, so um, I mean, that's if you want to use the name of somebody who's in this, maybe you change yeah, their yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Go um, ahead. So that's what it was. Super fun, like... Um, anyway, so we're riding to another bar and I fell off my bike. I didn't just fall off my bike. I fell off my bike on my face and skidded down the road. I remember this. Oh yeah. It was gnarly. Um, so the next morning, not only was I like extremely hungover, but I was, messed up. Like I had a black eye. I had, my chin was bruised. I was bruised, um, um, where the handlebar went into like my hip area. Um, my, my bike was messed up, uh, just one thing after another, after another. And then Mm -hmm. I also had like PTSD where I was like crying all day, like embarrassed, ashamed. We were supposed to go to the, um, parade the next day and it was just a mess and um so I was like oh I should probably stop doing this and before this even happened the beginning of October which is fall break I already kind of had it in my mind where I was like okay we I need to slow down like this is starting to consume me it was consuming Mm -hmm. me to the point where um, and I didn't come to this realization until after I got sober, but it was consuming me to the point where I was drinking at work 
at the end of my day. Yeah. <laughs> Very not, last client. Yeah, not during the day, but at the end of the day, I would think about, um, okay, on my way home, I'm going to get X, Y, and Z to drink. Um, before we would go out, I would drink, you know, mm-hmm. like prepping for. And then I would think about because I was a very smart drinker. I was a very smart alcoholic where I knew how to drink either throughout the day or whatever to not be hung over or get sick. So I need, Dang, so I would, I would impressive, right? I guess. <laughs> well, and I kind of pride myself on that, that I was a professional. Like I knew how to do it in a way not to get sick. Um, so I would make decisions on, okay, what drinks am I going to drink tonight? Um, like I just had to stick with it, you know, like, mm-hmm, am I going to mm-hmm. drink wine? Am I going to drink a like cocktail? Like you planned your day around yeah, exa- what? Yeah, especially what? on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Like there was no hold bar, no holds bar during the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I needed to get like uh, a grip on it. So that happened. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then... <laughs> It was Christmas. It was Glutton Christmas time, right? It was Christmas time. Oh, Christmas is so fun! All the dinners and you know the celebrations and the Christmas parties and you know all of that. Well, um, it was my work's Christmas party, and I was doing like my normal like pregame where I was like having drinks while I was getting ready. Mm-hmm. We stopped at a gas station to get a fifth of whatever, and I drank almost half of that before I got to the party because wow. I wanted to feel good and you know be in the vibe and, and relaxed this and, uh, is gonna be fun and then they had a signature drink there which I, I burped and oh. I, was, I was making sure I didn't do it and I'm like I thanks thought, for calling me out I thought you were gonna tell me not to say stuff I was like uh-oh no, <laughs> no but going. I've done that a couple of no. times BTW at the time I was her I'm gonna call it boss for lack of better words so I was holding the Christmas party with the sweet ass, the sweet signature, ass drink, signature, yeah, the drink. signature cocktails, which no clue what they were. I think there was vodka in there. Them. They were like a, a mojito of some it kind was blueberry like, jalapeno. Like, yeah. It, was, cool, it but, was really good, but I feel like they were really strong. I don't feel, I didn't feel that way at the time, mm-hmm. but when it was time to leave that place and go to the next place, um, I was like, wow. I, of course, yeah. it had nothing to do with my pre-gaming or the half a fifth I drank on the way. You know, no. It was all it these damn flavored drinks. to do with that. Shout out well, to Washoe Public House. They see, made, that's what I thought you were going to tell me. They made a bomb drink. <laughs> I mean, exactly if they what make I thought it you were going to tell me. If they make it in a non-alcoholic version, I'm down with it too because it was good. <laughs> so um, anyway, your, your typical Christmas party night, you, you're done with your dinner and your party and you're downtown and all right, let's go to this place and this place and all of that. And, you know, a, a lot of silly things happened where mm-hmm. um, we went on a search for one thing that we didn't need. And then, and then I knew I was done. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we got to go. Well, that was a hot mess, like getting home. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to go into details because I don't need to embarrass myself that much. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm doing a great job. Thank you. No, you're, I think what you're talking about is really important. So thank, thank you for you. sharing. Yeah. Um, we got home and went to bed and Todd's dad and stepmom were visiting. Um, and so that was nice. And the next morning I was getting up and, you know, felt the I need to host these people in my home. And um, 
at the same time, I was really hungover, like did not feel good in any way, shape or form. And mm-hmm. so I tried to keep waking up Todd. Like he's a sleeper, which is fine. That's one thing that I've come to terms with in our mm-hmm. relationship and I am not. And so I'm trying to get him up. These are your parents. Like you yeah. need to get up. Yeah, I get to be the one who stays <laughs> right? in bed. I don't feel right. I don't feel good. And so I was trying to like muster my way through this morning. And then finally he got up, the boys were up and I'm like, okay, let's make scrambled eggs or whatever. I'm like, who wants to crack the eggs? Knowing Jackson likes to crack the eggs. So I walk back down my hallway and my father-in-law is sitting at the table, which is at the end of the hallway. And, um, I blacked out at this point, but I had a grand mal seizure. I, um, I, when I said that I was hung over, like it was in a way that I had never felt before. Like my head felt weird. Like it would like have little short circuits. Like I don't really know what I, any other way to explain that. So I knew something was wrong. So um, my, he was 10. Yeah, he was 10 at the time, um, was right behind me. And um, so he watched me have a grand mal seizure. And um, it was foaming out of the mouth, eyes rolling behind my head, um, hitting the wall, Mm -hmm. more bruises. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I woke up in an ambulance. And um, when I woke up, it was okay, you've had a seizure, we're on our way to the hospital. And my heart just dropped. And the biggest reason it dropped is that my dad was an epileptic. And so I saw my dad have seizures multiple times throughout my childhood. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm an, ep- I'm an epileptic like my dad. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, they, we get to um, the hospital and they do tests and like, it was the craziest thing. Like they, um, in the ambulance, they asked me like, do you know what your name is? Do you know who the president is? And I would ask, answer those questions. And then when I got to the hospital, they asked me the same questions. And when they asked me who the president was, I said, Donald Trump, he was in the ambulance with me. <laughs> because I hear <laughs> like I answered correctly. I don't know. Because <laughs> that's, you know, that's when we were talking about him last. Mm-hmm. And then um, a really crazy thing is when I was signing the paperwork, like, you know, to be admitted or whatever, I started to sign my name and then my hand just kept going, but in circles, like just, and it's like the craziest thing. Cause you think you're signing your name and your hand is doing something totally different than what you think it's doing. Um, so yeah, I knew that first of all, I scared the bejeejees out of Todd. He literally thought I was dying. Mm-hmm. Um, I scared the bejeejees, maybe this is out of Jackson. Cause he watched it happen and I, I just, know what he saw. Like I said, my dad was an epileptic, so I know what he saw and I know how scary it is. And so I'm like, I'm done. I am done drinking. I cannot do this anymore. I will never do that to my son again. I watched an epiphany just happen for you. Do you, maybe that's when, um, Jackson's anxiety started. That was the epiphany you saw. huh? Yes. It was the epiphany I saw. Isn't that amazing when you talk things out, like just right. what, like, yeah. oh. aha. Um, so that was December of 2019. And um, I stopped drinking. Um, oh, they also take your license away for three months when you have a seizure. And if you go like that three months without having one, um, you get it back. The 
quick, like just to sum it up quickly, um, I ended up going through, uh, like I got a MRI and then they did an EEG where they put, they read your brain, um, waves, waves, and they do like, they do things to basically trigger seizures Mm -hmm. to see if you are an epileptic. And I am, it's very like low grade. Like I probably won't ever have one again. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily need to take meds because one of my meds is an anti-seizure med that I take. It's also a mood stabilizer. So, so you take it for your bipolar and it right, kind of exactly. works for So your- they, they didn't think it was necessary to up that or anything like that because it was a lot of triggering things that made me have the seizure. The biggest one is that, okay, I take medicine twice a day for the bipolar. I didn't take it the night before because I was drunk mm-hmm. and just passed out. And then I hadn't, I hadn't yet taken it that morning. And then I was also detoxing from alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all of those things were triggers to make me have the seizure. Okay. So at that point in time, we did not have insurance Ugh. and we were like, because I'm self-employed and Todd had just taken another job where he didn't qualify for benefits yet. And, um, no, that's not true. It was more like he, anyway, um, he like opted out or no, it wasn't that it was like the way that his company is set up. You basically pay. Mm -hmm. It's kind of set up the same way, like how we would get insurance, you pay for it. So it comes out of like your income rather than the company's Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's more expensive usually is yeah, I think what you're trying exactly. to say. Exactly. Yeah. Especially because you're sourcing outside. You're outsourcing. Yeah. So it's not like with a company, a large company, they're like, okay, this is what you have. Your you have to rate. go find it and all of that stuff. So it was a lot of work, you know, yeah. Another, and expensive. Right. Exactly. So we decided that we needed to bite the bullet and get insurance. Um, so we did. And <laughs> That's another long story, but, um, so we did, and it went into effect on February 1st Mm. and on February 9th is when Hayden was diagnosed with a tumor. That's fucking crazy. I know. So God, you know, knocked me on my butt, not once, but twice (laughs) to get my (laughs) stuff, (laughs) to get my stuff in order because we had to take care of our kids. So where most people, I would think that like when you deal with something as um, huge as your child having cancer, um, you would turn to something to release that stress and pain. Mm-hmm. There was so many times during that time where I was like, I just want to have a drink. I just want to have a drink. And everybody around me was like, no, you don't need to have a drink. Like you're fine. Like, you know. Yeah, it'll be okay. So the those things... <laughs> prepared us for what was to come. Well, yeah. Could you imagine being that consumed with alcohol and going through? Right. I mean, how not having a clear mind, you know what I mean? And it would have been so easy because like we were staying at the hospital, like family housing, which was right across the street. And like, we didn't, you know what I mean? I don't need to drive anywhere. It would have been so easy. Um, but yeah, and Todd was super like supportive too. He didn't drink either. So that, um, that was nice. That was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's crazy. So I think what I'm 
hearing. Yeah. Or understanding is like you, like you see the, the pattern in your life of this, you know, like God taking the wheel. Absolutely. Throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, from even before it began. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like those two events like prepared me for what was to come. Yeah. You know, especially like with the insurance thing and, um, the, how not being in a financial, like, um, predicament. Yeah. But bigger word than predicament. (laughs) Like how can I ask how much all of his like treatment from, and I know it's not over because he'll, he'll have MRIs for however long, but if you had to guess, I don't know. No, Todd did most of that stuff. Yeah. Because he, I mean, because what happens is like you have to, uh, it was some stuff. I don't even know if that's true. Or I was just, I don't know if that's, I was about to say, I felt like some stuff was taken care of um, at UCSF in Oakland because of the braces thing. Ah, Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure for whatever reason that stands in my mind. And it's hard to really, um, again, I didn't take care of it, but there were, um, there was a lot of resources that came our way during that point. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like it was coming, it wasn't hitting us. Yeah, it was like directly. It wasn't like ten thousand dollar bills were showing up. On oh no, they, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> we were like, also I got something for that. We, yeah, we were also able to like outsource that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. send in bills, and I mean, because that's what you do with an NCCF is that you send in your bills. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, awesome. Yeah, it's super awesome. But yeah. I, I would venture to guess you were somewhere in the millions. That's what my brother in law says too. I mean, insurance. I mean, insurance covers a lot, but. So you mentioned um, that, you know, that they're still coming because of, um, well, MRIs and stuff. mm -hmm. So just so your listeners know, (laughs) (laughs) um, Hayden has to get routine MRIs to make sure nothing is going on, that it's, you Mm -hmm. know, continuingly to shrink because the radiation and chemo did not get rid of it completely, but the majority of it. And so they just do the MRIs for two things to make sure that the tumor isn't growing or anything like that. And to make sure that the hole that they poked in his brain for drainage hasn't scarred over or grown back. If that makes sense. Because he needs it for the flow. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm very analytical, so I'm like, tell me every detail. Right. Right. Um, so he gets that done. Um, every six months. Yeah. It's supposed to be like three to six months. Um, and in a life, you know, you got to wait for the order and then you can like the doctor has to order it. Then you have to book it and like all of this stuff. So it ends up being a little bit longer than it technically should be, but he's not having like any symptoms or anything like that. It's more like, Oh, we got this done. Like, look at the month, like it's time to do this. Um, in September of this year. So we're talking a year and a half later mm-hmm. after, um, you know, original tumor diagnosis after chemo, after radiation, like all of his scans were coming back. Good. Everything looked great. In September we, Oh, let me back up. There was a little something in there, but so small that we were thinking scar tissue. 
Okay. You know, because they were rotorooting around in there. So yeah. um, we were thinking scar tissue. You know, it's there. Not that big of a deal, but we got to watch it. So you're so, t- saying he had an, an, a follow-up MRI and there was still something? From the get-go. Okay. Like, okay. So, I mean, really, if you look at the MRI, all it looks like is like this white little bloop, like half moon shaped or what just tiny right just a tiny little thing and um so in september he had an mri and um that area had grown and so you know awesome you get nervous every time you get you know like just so anyway um it showed that this mass whatever had grown and so we did all the tests to see if there was any tumor markers or you know cancer in his cells and like all of that stuff and all of it came back negative so that was good Mm -hmm. however we still didn't know what this was so they scheduled a um, biopsy um in san francisco and so, because God is amazing, um, we were able to move things around. So I was able to take off work without losing work, if that makes sense, because this happened around the same time as fall break. So ah. we had to cancel our fall break plans. Um, and then I just switched the weeks. So I had the time to move my clients. So we go down to San Francisco, which I'm going to stop okay. you because I feel like for those that don't understand in the hair industry, it, it seems very flexible, but it's very calculated. So most people will book six to eight weeks in advance. So when you're talking about taking a week off an unforeseen week off, you now have, you are now displacing every person on that week. And guess what? The next week, there's already people there. Right. And the next week, there's already people there. And I book people out two at a time. Yeah. So, so they have two appointments yeah. going. So, the, so yeah, like either. So at first when I was looking at this, it was looking like I was going to have to work set like for like seven days to get like seven days, everybody 10 in. hours a day to get everybody in. But because you already had taken a week off in yeah. advance, you were able to just flip the week. Yep. So it didn't mess anything up as far and as you didn't my miss work out on goes. money because again, in our I industry, still got it. Yeah. 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 Because I still made it. Damn. Okay. So we get down to um, San Francisco. I almost said September. We got down to September. Uh-huh. Uh, we got down to Sa- um, San Francisco. I said Sacramento, but I meant San Francisco, and. Um, Um, he gets all set up for um, surgery. They take him back. They get him gowned. Um, you have to ask a million questions. And then we leave, and then they take him. And so at this point, it's like normal, right? Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Just another day in the life. Right. And so what they did is they um, shave like three little spots on his head. Oh. My son's hair grew back so glorious. Like he has like this beautiful, curly, thick mane of hair. And so, and even before cancer, he had a great head of hair. So like that was straight. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was his thing. Like it was his thing. So, you know, okay, we got to shave a couple of spots off your head. Sorry. Um, To put little sticky things on there because they need to do another MRI. It's a more intense MRI so they can map out where they're going. Cause basically they're sticking two needles. Nope. Maybe one needle into his brain and taking a piece of that, um, 
tumor mass, whatever, to mm-hmm. test it to see what it is. And um, so they get them intubated. Mm-hmm. Um, they put this metal like frame on his head so it stays still, even though he's out, like he's totally out. Um, and they get them all hooked up and do the MRI. So the way that they do it at the hospital, I don't know if it's like that here or whatever, but they send out text messages with updates. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hayden just did this. Hayden's going here, all of this stuff. It's like 40 minutes after they took him back and they call. And you're like, oh no. Oh my goodness. So I answer the phone and it's the neurosurgeon. And he says, so something quite unusual has happened. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, you're like, I can't take anymore. Uh, well, and it's just so weird because I don't feel like I ever was like my, like, like my heart dropped or I felt like I was going to get sick or anything. It was more like, okay, hold still. Let's listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's, okay, bring it, bring it yeah. on. Let's see. I got this. We already beat this <laughs> shit once. Right. So, um, the tumor shrunk. Like on its own. In half. In half? In three weeks. Go ahead. Try to wrap your analytical brain around that one. I can't. I know, right? I'm letting that shit go. Well, and it's funny because I have another friend who's the same way. Like, I'm just trying, what changed? What happened? Like, just trying to figure it out. I'm like, you know what happened? God. God, yeah. Yeah. So we joke about his fake surgery. (laughs) I got all dressed and ready to go to the ball. And the ball was canceled. And we joke, and I say all the time, the thing kids will do to get out of school these days. (laughs) They'll grow their tumor just to get out of school. Right. So we... I I will ask, though, was there anything that was different? Like, did you eat different? Did you... No, and we didn't even do some of the things that we had done the first, first time around. It was a very short period of time, like maybe a week, you know what I mean? And like, we had to do these telehealth, like appointments Mm -hmm. and pre and COVID tests and like all of that. Um, So it was more like, okay, some of these like natural things that we were, that we had been doing be like when he was going through everything, we didn't even do that. Like we literally did nothing. You're like, we're just showing up. Right. I'm like, can you, can we not have this bill? <laughs> Are we good? You want to just tuck that away? Yeah. Sorry you, for your time. Did you read it wrong? Cause <laughs> is this your fault? I don't want right. to pay for it. Thanks. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, yet again, I just another, works in mysterious ways. Yeah. He's smart. Man. It's his, it's his bus. I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> so then they wanted to do another MRI in a short period of time just to make sure that's wasn't a indeed fluke. what was that. And then it shrunk again. So yeah. I one thing that the neurosurgeon had said is that a lot of times tumors uh, will fluctuate. Like I okay, I just came up with this analogy, but like the way watery like at the beginning of the day, like our hands are sw- are normal and the end of the day they're swollen because we didn't drink enough water, we stood up too much, we had too much salt whatever, but then again in the morning they're back to normal. So they fluctuate. I feel like that with my body. Yeah. I'm like, in the morning, my pants fit. <laughs> exactly. They're almost actually too big. Right. By the end of the day, I'm like, get this off. <laughs> yeah, totally. So kind of like that. So he just said, hopefully, um, this is what's happening. It's just done its peak and hopefully it's on its way down. That's and crazy. again, they're like, well, you know, we very well could be back here again. Because I think, you know, for logistics, they have to say that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, we're good. Yeah, we're not coming back. What are you talking about? And then it was funny because we had left 
And um, the hospital called. I'm like, why are they calling me again? And they called because every three days you have to get another COVID test. I'm oh. like, yeah, we're not there anymore. <laughs> we're done. We're gone. We like, checked out, right? We're not there. Well, we went ahead and stayed a day for him to just sleep. I, we already had the hotel. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and, and NCC app covered. Um, oh, such and, a great organization. Right? I don't know if I've said that yet. Um, so we stayed and he slept. Like, it was so funny. It was like, it was so beautiful that weekend. And we're just all in the hotel in the dark watching baseball while Hayden sleeps. And so he had a sore throat and everything, but from intubation, I'm sure, right? Exactly. And then I made him go to Denny's afterwards. Who wants to go to Denny's? Nobody. I was like, not I. Right. But I used to go to Denny's all the time when I was younger. And I'm like, you guys, like, let's just do it. We're doing it. We're doing it. And he was all stoked. He loved it. You're like, see, sometimes mom has to have good right? ideas. My Denny's. Yeah, I don't. Um, that's crazy. I feel like you've been through this crazy roller coaster yeah. over two years. Mm-hmm. And I I know looking from the outside that I've like really watched you blossom. Mm-hmm. I feel like you've really come into your own. I'm sure you still have times or days where you're like, I feel crazy or I'm mad or I, but the way that you flow through it. And I, and maybe it's just your meds, I I don't know, or maybe it's, um, just having this experience in your life that seems so challenging Mm -hmm. that everything else seems less challenging. Um, it could probably be a combination of both. I do feel like things that have happened in my life in the past has definitely, um, set me up for this. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been the kind of person who is like when faced with a challenge, my mindset is, all right, let's do this. We got to get this done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's always been like, even when I was 14, when my dad died, it was like, okay, this is, this, this is what it is. Like, let's do this. But with my dad, it, I almost feel like maybe I didn't, um, process it then. Mm-hmm. Like I was more like, I have to be the adult now, um, because everybody around me is falling apart mm-hmm. and to, and, um, like 10 years later, I think is when I kind of dealt with it. But I, I, I think part of that is because when somebody passes away, we tend to idolize them a little bit. Like we forget like the bad stuff and we just mm-hmm. remember the good things, which is good. But at the same time, when you allow yourself to remember that that person was human, was flawed, made mistakes, then, um, I think it's a little bit healthier. You know what I mean? So I think that at that 10 year mark is kind of when I went through the whole, Oh, my dad wasn't a saint. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? And I'm almost like it's easier to deal with when you know that they weren't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that I would, I, I don't know, but maybe I would miss him more if I kept him Uh. in an idolized way. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I feel like I understand what you're saying. So with that being said, I kind of wonder if maybe 10 years down the road, <laughs> I might have a little like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I went through that. How did I ever survive? Ah, uh, yeah. Like like a withholding of and what's I, really. Right. And I actually think that, I think I fear that a little more for Hayden because he is mm-hmm. young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. me, I don't think, I don't think so much. I mean, I said that, but I, I mean, I'm not like, 
it's just like a thought that passes through, passes through, not necessarily, not necessarily, um, oh, this is going to happen. But with Hayden, I think about that sometimes. I I would, I I mean, like I would almost be more surprised if it didn't. Yeah. I, and yeah, I'm all, we just got to watch like for when he has his like moment where like, holy cow. But he, we joke about it all the time now. All the time. I mean, you know me. We are the biggest smart aleck family ever. Uh, we say stuff that we probably shouldn't say stuff in front of our kids. <laughs> Not PC. And um, I, again, just being authentic and raw, but like we joke about it all the time. Like Hayden mm-hmm. says stuff like, is it going to give me cancer? <laughs> like stuff like You're that. You're like, it might. <laughs> okay. Or he'll say like, don't worry, it's not contagious. Or you know what I mean? Like oh, we joke yeah. about it all the time. Seems like so I don't good... think I don't know. He I don't know where that calmness comes from. He's cool though. I like him a lot. <laughs> but maybe tomorrow I won't. Or maybe I won't when I get Depends home because on the day of the week. right, because he's supposed to be doing schoolwork because he's oh, guess what? At home and not school. Oh. And so no, he's not sick. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, so maybe when I get home and he hasn't emptied the dishwasher after the third day in a row for asking. I'll be like, I just talked oh. you up big time and now I'm regretting <laughs> right? it. Or if he's not doing a schoolwork. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, he sounds like a really cool kid and that sounds like he has a really awesome mom. And I can't imagine what I would be like in similar situations. I don't think any of us do until we get there. There's been times in my life where like, I think ahead of times and I'm like, if I'm ever in that situation, I'm going to do a, B and C. Mm -hmm. And then I get in that situation and I do the polar opposite. Mm -hmm. Cause I I feel like I remember, I feel like I remember having conversations with you about Mm -hmm. how you would treat cancer. And I want to say you, you did the very natural, like, um, juicing and like, yeah, I feel like we've had those conversations before. Yeah. Yeah, I dev- it's funny because I've all, yes, yes, yes. Like in my mind, you know, chemo is mm-hmm. poison. Mm-hmm. Like it messes with your body. Like in, in like, not just like physically, like you lose your hair, you get skinny, you get sick, you know, not just that way, but like it um, challenges you. It messes with your cognitive thinking. Yeah. Which, well, it's intended to kill you like right I, yeah it's a poison yeah um it also um he it, there's a chance that he may be sterile oh. and so um and we like talked about that got him all prepared for that and he just said i am not comfortable doing that you, to bank and yeah. um and i said okay and he's like are you mad at me i'm like absolutely not it was your choice inside <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh. I was like oh I hope my baby can have babies someday but I also know like technology and oh, like yeah. there's so many different ways to have babies so um yeah you're so inside it was like yeah so there's just a lot of things that what did you hear that no oh the door slammed or something keep going though I don't remember what I was gonna say <laughs> You were talking about his banking. And, right, right. Um, uh, and just like how there's so much more that. Oh, okay. I remember. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> um, squirrel. <laughs> so um, just like there's so much 
that chemo can do to your body. So in my mind, before any of this happened, I always thought that I, like if I were ever in the situation that I would not go through chemo and I would not go through because it's poison. So it's yucky. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, um, then you get to that spot and my best friend is a naturopathic doctor. Um, you know, one of them that showed up right in <laughs> Oakland to be my amazing person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at her because she's naturopathic, right? Yeah, and you're I like, look at tell her. me what to do. No, I looked at her cause I already knew the answer, but I looked at her and I said, we have to do chemo. Right. And she goes, absolutely. Mm. So I was like, all right. I mean, I knew. Also, I'm pretty positive that she knew Hayden had cancer because before I knew he had cancer, because I sent her the scans, uh, and that and her and her boss said like go. Uh, you know what I mean? Actually, I know she did because I asked her down the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did you know before me? And she goes, yeah. And uh, everybody kind of did, but they had not everybody, but the doctors and stuff because. Um, that tumor is always cancerous. Like the certain one, it's always cancerous, but they can't tell you until there's actual lab work that says, yeah, you know what I mean? Why would they want to? Right. Totally. Well, and now, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Well, you, you just have this very upbeat love of life still. And I think that's beautiful. And I, I imagine that there's some people in, in this world that don't after going through that kind of stuff. There's a part of me. I'm so extremely blessed. Hayden is so extremely blessed. We are a very blessed family. It hurts my heart when I hear of people who do not survive cancer. Mm -hmm. Because it was, or if they like had a hard time going through treatment. We had Mm -hmm. it really, when I say we, I mean Hayden, had it really, really easy. Mm -hmm. He barely got, he didn't get sick. Like he there on the, on day two, he would be nauseous. Like we were carrying around like nauseous bags everywhere we went. And after the first round, he was really weak. Um, so we got him a wheelchair because he was so weak. He never needed it after that, after that first round, he like, he didn't get sick. Like, honestly, the worst thing that happened to him was that he lost his hair. Mm -hmm. And so many people, when I say that they're like, oh, will it grow? It'll grow back. And I'm like, don't like dim, diminish. Why can't diminish? I, why can't I say words today? I don't. I've, don't I got be lit. Right. Don't belittle his hard part. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Like, I know it's going to grow back, but that that's his thing. That's what's bothering him. That's so. Don't make it like, oh, that's mm-hmm. not big of a deal. It is to him. That yeah. was one pet peeve of mine when people would say, oh, well, it'll grow back. Like it's no big deal. I'm like, it's well, a big deal to him. I would say some people. It doesn't. Right. Or it doesn't grow back the same. Right. Well, it as, didn't. No, it did not. It grew back better. <laughs> um, or I yeah, just or don't like it when all. people are like, take whatever hurt you have or fear you have or chemical imbalance you have and make it like it's no big deal. Well, it might not be to you, but it is to me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's. I think people do that to try to make you feel better. Yes. Yeah. But I do think it comes across as either, either pity or like 
un, like uncaring almost. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Which, which maybe his hair isn't that big of a deal, but for him, it was for we, him. I think the thing is, is that we all boy. have our, sorry, no, it's all right. We all have our like, um, what's the word I'm trying to find? Like my bad Threshold. is as bad as I know it is. Your bad yes. is as bad as you know that's it like, is. I'm as old as I've ever been. Yeah. Like when I say my age, oh, that's not old. Well, it's the oldest I've ever been. Yeah. I mean, so Hayden's been through cancer and maybe someday his hair won't be a big deal and he'll look back at it right. and be like, oh, the worst thing was actually this point in my right, life. Right. But right now it's his hair. That boy. Mm-hmm. Loves his hair. Wore a beanie <laughs> through the whole summer of 2020. Oh my gosh. That's he would Well, go- thank God we couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> Except for we were going places. <laughs> um, he wore baseball hats when he would go swimming. <laughs> oh, my God. In places where you didn't know people. <laughs> like yeah. in Half Moon Bay, he's wearing a baseball cap in a pool. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, yeah. Image. They were all, stri- yeah, exactly. So remind my listeners of the where you guys got support and then and in and in ccf northern northern oh northern 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 nevada children's cancer foundation yeah it used to be called do you remember angel something angel yeah okay yeah vaguely that's when we did stuff with that first salon we were at yeah 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 so okay so nnccf do they help people outside of nevada I would say no. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure. Um, Make-A-Wish does. Mm-hmm. And, but they have different chapters Got of it. areas. So like they might have like a northern. Right. So they're, uh, the one that's here is northern Nevada in California. Okay. And then um, I want to make sure we get info out to the people that might be struggling with anything. Do you have any other... Um, resources that you used at this time like that time that supported you um when you're in the hospital you can if they don't do it for you you can request a social worker and they will help you as far as um um what to do while you're there like for example they'll help you with housing Mm because um yeah they'll help you with housing they'll let you know like there were free meals um for the families of you know what i mean they would have like things uh like hosted by ronald mcdonald um they so i think having the social worker is really important and it's really weird to say that because um you think social social worker and you think like somebody who's helping somebody not in a bad situation, which is weird that I say that now because it kind of is, but like, you know what I mean? Like in a, a, a you think get you out like, of your parents' house, you know what I yeah, mean? Like get you out of like a negative a situation. Medical social right? Order. And they usually, in all of the experiences we have had, they usually send one. Um, but if they, if they don't, don't ask for the social worker. Uh, oh, they also brought um, games and books and like stuff for them to do in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things that you don't think about um, when you go through that. Like you don't think about like asking for a place to stay. 
mm-hmm. when you're out of state or out of the city. You don't think about asking for food. You don't think, oh, they had like farmer market type stuff where they would set up like little places that you can go like grocery shopping. So Aww. you would go with your toe and you would get, and it was stuff that you can like rice and beans and fruit and like fruit cups. And so in the place that we stayed, they told us about this and we went grocery shopping, eggs, like all these things that you could take to the, yeah, that was kind of cool. I'm going to add on to there that if your doctor and Oh, that's a doesn't, doesn't ask you be your own advocate for freezing your specimens, Mm -hmm. whether that be sperm or eggs or whatever, ask for it. Yeah. Cause the doctors didn't No, I, and I don't think they know, like they're so concerned with saving your life, which is super important, but you know, when your life is saved, actually, that's not true. Um, when, after his, um, when he got admitted for his first round of chemo, the doc, the nurse did mention it. And then she was trying to convince Hayden of it. And I was getting irritated. I'm like, yeah, we've already talked. That's when I stuck up. I'm like, like, no, we've already talked about it. We've already done it. And that's when he said, yeah, I don't want to do it. I know you're not thinking about this right now. Like that's what the mm-hmm, nurse, I was like, mm-hmm. we've already talked about this. And that's when he turned and said, are you mad at me? And I'm like, no, but we got all the way to the point where the only thing left to do was to, create a a specimen. Why can't I talk? Anyway, so like we got his blood work done, like, cause they have to check for like STDs and like all of that stuff. So we were like, all the paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. We had that all done. The only thing we had to do is Hayden put his stuff in a cup. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think it's awesome that somebody actually said that to you, but working for the company that, that I did for a long time, that's not as, that's not as common. Right. They and I, I believe again, not an expert, and maybe things have changed because it's been quite a while. Is it's not? It's usually like an afterthought, and then it's too late. So, um, I, I believe most of the time it'll be done by, um, the freak is it called? Like an IVF clinic in your area. But um, if it's not, shout out to Reprotech, mm-hmm. who is a long-term cryo storage for reproductive tissues. The business was actually created around um, one of the, I think he's the founder, mm-hmm. but at this point, the owner of the business whose um, late wife passed away of breast cancer. And so they actually have... Um, they didn't have any children, but... I believe his first wife. Yes. Okay. Yes. He has, he is now remarried and they do have two children, but his very first wife, I think, you know what it might've been. Maybe I'm getting the cancer wrong. Needless to say, it's not that there was a health issue. Yes. That part's not as important as they have financial support. If you want to bank your specimen, but you don't necessarily have the financial means to do it. They will store it for decades upon decades if you need them to do it. Um, But ask. Yes. They're very helpful. That's who helps me just kind of showed up and said, I know this is not what you're thinking about, but I need like, this is important. And they're like, and this, this will be waived. This will be less like this will be, you know what I we mean? We got you. Yeah. 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 They're, they're very big. She advocates. like ear tagged or dog tagged, dog eared <laughs> <laughs> that pages I needed to do and all of that. It was like one of those things where, okay, this is something I have to do, but I don't know how to do it. So she just kind of not shoved me, but guided me quickly down the road (laughs) because it was like seriously a week before he was starting chemo. So we're like, like we were literally to the point where it was like, okay, you start chemo tomorrow. Yeah. So you need to do this today. Today. Yeah. It's very, I mean, 
my, to my understanding is a lot of cancer is like that. Mm -hmm. They find it within days. So no, I'm at, um, banking. Well, yeah, no, but I mean like from finding your cancer Uh, to how fast it goes, how you have, when you have to start treatment is very quick. And we were a week late. Mm, See, there was something Mm. else. Oh, the other thing I would say is if something is wrong with your child, and you don't think you're getting the answers that are right, or you don't think that um, they're doing all they can to find out what's going on, be strong, advocate for your child, ask more questions. I don't have a problem asking questions. Well, and then, I mean, I'm just saying like, <laughs> no, you're you know in what general. I mean? no. I, it, I, in hindsight, it only really took a couple of days for us to like get exactly what we needed. Mm-hmm. But like I said, a lot of it made sense in the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dehydration, headache. Mm -hmm. And when you've gone to your third doctor and they've said this. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, is it us? I don't know. Like he's trying to get away. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, thank you. You're so welcome. I feel like you've been honest and vulnerable and authentic. And I think someone is going to listen to this podcast. It'll be me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How goofy did I sound? (laughs) I think many people will listen to this podcast, but what I'm trying to get at is you will support somebody in some way. Oh, thank you. And so thank you. Thank you for being brave enough to come on and talk about all of your stuff. All of my stuff. I'm, it's, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's just gotten easier as I've gotten older. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think that's very true for a lot of people. For sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a comment or like. If you'd like to see video content of this episode, follow us on our YouTube channel, Hillary Simply. And as always, stay passionately curious.